Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th. And it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14th. Get tickets now. The mysterious Gram Box from Morbeer brings you this Brewing Network Sunday session. See the Gram Box affordable control unit at morebeer.com. Feels like work. Shooting the shit for two hours, drinking beer and talking beer. What a wonderful experience. Can we not have the barf bucket near my mixing board? (laughs) (laughs) I think everybody can read the book. I knew you were going to use this book as an excuse to quit doing this show. (laughs) Mrs. Bub, if you want, I can mail you the bub timer. Yeah, Newcastle, especially in the can. Have you ever had it in the can? (laughs) (laughs) No, I have not had it in the can. (laughs) Then I closed my eyes and I concentrated really hard. Now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers. Craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with, well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. Back to the session, everybody. I'm all busted up today. What happened? My, my throat and my oh. lungs are messed up. I fell on my face the other day and cut up my eye and bruised my cheek and chipped my tooth. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. I was hoping I was hoping Doc would be here by now so I could explain to him that I need to go back to the dentist get my tooth some repair work smoothed yes. out. Did you pull a Jamil and walk off the backyard uh, no, ledge? No. <laughs> I did do it at Doc's. I fell over at Doc's house, basically. Oh, well, that's a good lawsuit. Oh, you're working on our art car for, oh, for Burning right. Man. Burning Man prep, sure. So I spent the day in the heat and drinking some beer and, uh, I don't know, got a little woozy or something. And yeah, <laughs> tripping over drunk, they call it. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Fell on my face. Ooh, face plant. Found out a neat trick. That it was kind of a stitches-worthy wound <clears throat> right near my eye, but uh, Schumann taught me a good trick. Super glue. Oh yeah! <laughs> you ever super glue a wound shut? Uh, That's pretty that. red. I've heard of that. Yeah, dude, it works like a like a charm. I didn't want to break. I'm too lazy to go to the ER. You know, yeah. I just cleaned it up, and 
So, but it was a pretty open gash on my eye, and I just thought, well, I can't leave it open. And Schumann comes in, super glue it. We have to do it all the time. Put some super glue on that thing. It'll heal right up. That's hardcore. Really? So I, I don't know. I didn't feel like going to the hospital. So sure enough. So I guess you just kind of clean it, and then you sort of hold the wound closed. Oh, I see. Pinch it closed, and then you put the super glue over top of it. Sure, dude. I can't hardly tell it's there. Yeah, just put it in the shape of a smile. That way, you know, you got a happy scar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. That's what I did. I'll, wow. see, I'll see how it comes out. Isn't there like a warning <laughs> label that says don't apply near eyes? You know, seek, yeah. go to the emergency room if you get it near your eyes. Super glue your eyes shut. Well, and I'll tell you, heed that warning because just the fumes from the super glue uh. got into my eye and burnt like shit. Uh-uh. It's not good. Yeah, you're fucked. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna lose that eye. <laughs> but I'm telling you, man, stop bleeding right away. And uh, the the cool thing, the the thing about the super glue is that it, uh, it you know it. <laughs> It dries instantly. Yeah. So you can kind of just hold the wound shut, you put it on there, and by the time you let go, the the glue is doing its job. I'm telling you, I think it's going to work wonders. I don't even think I'll have a scar. I think nice. I'll have a, a tiny mark with the new super glue technique. That human knows his shit. <laughs> he does. Yes. I always ask a redneck about uh, <laughs> cheap and easy fixes. Did you exactly. disinfect? I did disinfect. Okay, good. A little bit of, you know, some an antiseptic wipe and some hydrogen peroxide. Oh, yeah, yeah. has all that stuff. I even threw a little Neosporin in there. Oh. I know what I'm doing. You Good know, concoction. I need to go to the doctor to tell me, you know, give me 800 bucks to throw a couple stitches on you when I can do it with a $2 <laughs> bottle of super glue. Make my own cocktails. <laughs> uh, so we'll see. It doesn't feel infected or anything, so I think I'm doing all right so far. Except for this lung thing. Except your fingers stuck to the side of your head. That's a, that's a problem, I guess. That was a problem. Yeah. They, my fingers did stick together. You remember those? You're probably the only one in the room old enough, Tasty, yeah, to remember. I that, yeah. Remember the super glue commercial with the guy in the hard oh, hat yeah. used to stick himself underneath a bridge? Right, right. Oh, yeah. I believe that. I think it, I think it would really work. That's how it good might, this yeah. stuff is. Stuff's really good, yeah. I mean, I had, a, I had trouble getting my fingers apart after, yeah. you know. Anyway, kind of busted up. Even so, we have a great show planned for you today, and probably a show that's been in the making for several years now. Uh, our guest will be Steve Dressler. He's the brewmaster at Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. That's right, the big one, the that's big old, one. the big old Sierra. And uh, I'll tell Steve this story later. I've probably told everybody before, but they were my first craft beer. They're, they're the brewery that uh, turned me on to craft beer. Me too. Yeah, mine as well. You too, Scott. Oh yeah. Scott's in here helping out today. He'll be running the chat room for you because uh, Bevo. I don't know. It's a birthday to go to or something like that so hit the chat now button you can enter the chat room and scott will take care of you there if you've got any questions for steve about sierra nevada so this is one of the of the craft breweries that uh you know all of our listenership has probably tried and most of you guys can get if you're in the u.s i think they even export to australia actually it's in europe for sure uh, and in europe as well okay uh, so some of our Euro listeners uh, might be able to get it, too. And so Steve's going to be on the line with us about 5.30, and we're going to be talking about not only all the beers of Sierra Nevada, which some of you will be surprised to find, like I was, um, you know, they make a lot more beer uh, styles than you think they do. Right. They just don't uh, distribute all of that beer. Right. But if you go to the brewery in Chico, I think you can try something like 20 styles oh, yeah. of beer. they got a big line up there, yeah. Yeah. So we'll be able to talk about a lot of those beers with Steve, uh, plus some of the common ones. And if you've got questions, like I said, hit the chat now button or call us up, 888-401-BEER. You'll be able to get through that way, and you can ask him. Now, the other thing we're going to talk to him about that uh, you guys know I'm always excited about, I think it's an interesting topic, and that is uh, sustainability. And Sierra Nevada is one of the leaders in sustainability and brewing. 
Um, if you don't know much about brewing, you might not know that it's it's actually a pretty wasteful process. Even us home brewers, we use a lot of water. We use a lot of energy. How many refrigerators we have running in this house right now, Shad? Uh, half a dozen. <laughs> like six refrigerators. We are not exactly green around here. Uh, and it's difficult to uh, for a brewery to, to be efficient and to be green. But if you go over to SierraNevada.com and check it out, even before we get Steve in here to, to, to talk about it, they have a whole page about the environment and what they're doing. It blew my mind when I read through all of the different things that this brewery is doing, uh, from solar panels to uh, generating their own power through, uh, um, they have their own power generators, uh, fuel cell power generators. Uh, they reuse all the frying oil uh, for, for fuel in their trucks. They reclaim their water. They reclaim CO2. They reclaim methane. It's amazing all the things this brewery is doing. So they're really kind of a leader in sustainability. And we're going to talk to Steve all about that today, too. Maybe reuse brewer's piss. Oh, I wonder what they would use. Let's that. have a bunch of brewers running around there. Do you think that's the house flavor? Well, maybe. Justin, you could well, use that's... it to disinfect your wounds before you put super glue on them. I probably could. Yeah. Ammonia. You think brewers piss is a disinfectant? <laughs> if super glue is a cauterizer. <laughs> yeah. I can't. Doc's, I think, on his way in now. I'm, I'm excited to hear what he thinks about my stitching method. <laughs> Doc's kind of a redneck. He might go He'll for go, it. Oh, yeah, that'll work. Yeah, say, oh, we used to do that. I do it now. I do it in the office. Every time you <laughs> come right. in, I put super glue yeah. in your teeth. Just, just do that to the kids. Might be all that's holding my teeth in. I wish I could have found the chip and super glued that back onto my tooth. <laughs> we need a doc. Right in the front tooth. Oh. It's more of a sliver than a chip. I didn't, like, take off a chunk. You know, you can't, like, see it from across the room, which is good because I would have been real disappointed about that. I probably would have cried. <laughs> I like my teeth. I would have yeah. cried about how, missing a piece of them. Anyway, so Sierra Nevada on the program today. And uh, like I said, 888-401-BEER or join uh, Scott in the chat room. You can also watch the happenings, the goings-on of the show by hitting the uh, little television ad on our on our homepage. Just that little TV. It'll bring you over to justin.tv slash brewing network. And that's where you can watch the live studio cam and hear audio of the show over there. It's very exciting. You can see Tasty. Pick his nose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Slamming back some beers. You can count how many beers Tasty has during the program. Yeah, that's, Ooh, that's a fun game. <clears throat> and, Another uh, one. Maybe people should guess early on in the show, Scott, oh. how many beers will Tasty have? <laughs> and then someone viewing the camera and in the chat room can can notch, and the person closest at the end will have a prize for it. How many beers he will have finished by the end of the show? By the end of the show. He's on one right now. I'll uh, give you all a hint. No, and um, so someone in the chat room watching the video needs to keep an eye on Tasty. And uh, mark down the accurate number. Of course, Tasty, you'll have to mark down. Yeah, I'll or, give the official uh, So that we have the real number. Right, right. And uh, I don't know, it could be fun. See how drunk Tasty gets. <laughs> Pressure's on. <laughs> I wasn't going to get that drunk, but I guess I'll have to now. Yeah. Well, it won't yeah. be any fun unless I drink a lot. But that will be, is that, see, that's the challenge. We'll, people will have to, when, when they guess, they'll have to decide, well, hmm, oh. based on what I'm hearing from Tasty, oh, is I he see. in a drinking mood I or see. is he feeling conservative? Oh, I see. You can predict what oh, I see. And so it's predicting the number. They need to, they need to guess now before, the first, before you go for your next beer. Okay. These, these numbers need to All be right, in. so get your guesses in. Yeah. Get them over to Scott in the chat room. Hey, Doc. How are you, brother? Tired. Are you? <laughs> Been working hard? Yeah, I was up till three welding, and I got up early this morning, started welding. I finished uh, just kind of about an hour ago, cleaned up, and took a shower and came over. Working on the art car, of course. Yep. Well, you just finished my story about working on the art car. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Busted up my face and tooth uh, <laughs> working on it the other day. I uh, cracked open my eye, sort of right here. Okay. And I chipped my tooth. 
Which one? It's my front tooth that you're going to have to take a look at. It's more of a sliver than a chip. It's like the front part, so it's not misshapen yet. Nice. But it's sharp and jagged on my tongue. So I knew you wouldn't be too happy about that, and neither am I. And, uh, and I, but my wound on my face, I wanted to ask you about this. So it was probably stitches worthy, maybe, you know, two or three stitches. But I don't, you know, I'm a man, Doc. I don't need to go get any need some stitches. battle scars. So I super glued it shut. Cool. It's good, right? Oh, yeah. No problem with that. Oh, yeah. Squeezed it shut, put a little glue on there. You can hardly tell. Oh, yeah. See? I told you, Doc's, Doc's old school. Oh, yeah. It's, I, I, think I glued my kid. <laughs> you do your kids that I way, right? I that. I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, now, five or six stitches, you might want to go get the stitches, but two or three. Depends how much super glue you got. Super glue that thing, right? Uh, they're, they're, they've got an FDA approvement called Dermabond. Oh, it's super glue. Oh, it is. Yeah. It's just super glue. Yeah, pretty much. Stuff burns near your eye, though, kids. I will remind you again that even the fumes from the super glue will burn your eye. Yeah. That hurt. Cyanoacrylate. All right, so Doc approves. I'm glad. Oh, yeah. And you'll just have to do a little smoothing on my tooth. It'll be yeah. fine. Well, Mike told me that uh, something happened, and I thought maybe you just broke another one of my tools. Oh, no, no, no. no just just face. my face. Yeah. So you can be, you can rest assured okay. it wasn't your tools, Doc. It was your friend's face. Okay. I can, I can, <laughs> yeah, all right. I can live with that. I'll give you the full story later. All right. But I will say that I had to clean up some drops of blood from your, uh, your brew shed area. <laughs> oh, okay. I got it. <laughs> so, but I cleaned up and, uh, I found some dirty rag that you had laying there to stop the bleeding, which is why I had to come home and, like, seriously disinfect but uh yeah okay all is well <laughs> all right okay all right doc so it was done on my property it w- <laughs> well don't tell your wife i know she'd be more concerned than you but yes it was done on okay. your property but you you know doc it'll be a small lawsuit it, you won't even yeah. feel it <laughs> you won't even notice i let the lawyers handle it yeah yeah you won't even know i'm there yeah. it'll be fine good but it did happen on your property and i had fun doing it i mean i was having a lot of fun well, that's a good thing. Breaking teeth. Yeah, breaking well, teeth. Yeah, and then now I'm paying for it. Okay. <laughs> now it'll be easy. I'm telling you, little little buffing out tooth will be fine. All right, cool. Yeah, it's no problem. Uh, hey, tasty uh, freak brother says that uh, your JBA recipe got him a first place and runner up in best of show well, at the Iowa State Fair competition last week, and he says thanks. Nice, way nice. to go. Wow. Another Janet's Brown win, huh? It's getting out there. Boy, that beer, I'll tell you. Every time. All right, Doc, Sierra Nevada is our guest today. We're going to be talking to Steve Dressler. Okay. We're going to phone him up. So we're going to talk about sustainable brewing and uh, all the different beers of Sierra Nevada. A couple other announcements we have for you is uh, the Brewing Network and More Beer will both be at the Eat Real Festival in Jack London Square. That's at the end of this month. Uh, I think it's the, what do I have here? 27th. 28th and 29th. It's the weekend of the 27th, 28th, and 29th. It's a three-day festival, and we'll be in the beer garden, which is where we should be. Come over and join us. More Beer will be doing some home-brewing demonstrations on their uh, one of their flat uh, brew sculptures, and they'll be brewing every day. So if you've ever wanted to come check out one of the sculptures in action, you can do that. And come see us, too. We'll be doing some video and some audio down there and hanging out, selling T-shirts, stuff like that. So come see us. Uh, of course, we'll also be at the Great American Beer Festival. Just got confirmation about that. And we're going out again this year. I'll be hosting several brewers panels from the Brewers Pavilion like we did last year. And then, of course, we'll have our booth set up there where we do whatever the hell it is that we do. 
I don't know what we do there anymore. Strippers. Strippers. Great. Games and strippers. I think Moscow will be there this year. Stripping. Our, uh, Great American Beer Fest? I think so. Hell yeah. Looking forward <clears throat> so to it. You get to meet Moscow and harass our new producer. They say I'm a lot hairier than Bevo. That's true. <laughs> That's only partially true. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't right. know, I don't know what that means. I spend the first five minutes picking her hairs off of this mic cover. That's disgusting. It, it is. She, she really keeps this little stall. It's a sty. So it, was, it was like empty Starbucks containers, and there was a crumbled up tissue. Yeah, women are slops. Ugh. You know, they're you know they're the ones who come into your house and go, oh, it's a bachelor pad. But if you've ever been to an all-female house before, they're slops. It's really true. Yeah. There's, like, bloody strings everywhere. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's disgusting, really. All right. Yeah, That's they enough. get too much credit for being eh? clean. They really do. They're, they're horribly disgusting. Uh, All right, so we'll be at GABF. I think Shad will be at GABF, but the trader's working for someone else. Hey, hey. Boy, oh, boy. Got to get tickets one way. He got optioned out. Yeah. No. What are you doing? Uh, working with Randy? Yeah. Something different. Doing what? You be the judge. You know I'm going to send all our people over there just to fuck Should. with you every... Yeah, I need people to sign up. That'll make it easy. Yeah. Just come right over to the uh, booth and pick them up. Yeah. Change your name to Shat the Trader. <laughs> Yeah, that'll be fun. So we'll all be out there as usual. Come see us. Now, the big announcement that I have for you in today's announcements uh, is an all-new Brewing Network show. Now, we kind of alluded to this about a year ago, and it's been in the works for a couple years now, actually, and uh, you've all been guessing about it. Most of you know, uh, but we have an official start date, the topic, and everything. Sean Paxton will be doing a show for us, a, a cooking with beer, a pairing with beer, and everything food and beer show. It's called The Home Brewed Chef with Sean Z. Paxton, and I'll be helping him out on the program. And we're starting that on Thursday, August 26th at 6 p.m. So that's this month at, uh, on the 26th at 6 p.m. will be our first episode ever. Uh, Sean Paxton will be here in the studio. We can take your calls, and you can join the chat and uh, do all of that fun stuff. It's going to be a once-a-month show for the moment. Because we kind of need to figure out how much time we have to do it, how much production is going to go into it. Paxton's a busy guy, especially this time of year, and I'm just lazy. So uh, once a month, and it'll be a good show. I'm excited about it. I think uh, it's really going to you know, kind of turn a corner for people in food and beer. You know, what we've done for getting out homebrew information about homebrewing, I think Paxton will be able to do oh, yeah. for foodies who are excited about being able to cook with beer and pair beer and all of that. Yeah, people are really looking forward to getting that information, I'm sure. Yeah. So excited about that. Thursday, August 26th. Stay tuned to the Brewing Network for more information. We'll give you all that. Uh, there's merch in the store. You can buy T-shirts, stickers, hats, books. Uh, you can buy the BN app over in iTunes for your iPhone. And then you can listen on the road like Mike White does. It's his favorite uh, BN product, the BN app. I should have him sponsor it for us. should have his face on the app, <laughs> that goofy smile he does. <laughs> I was at Mike White's... Uh, uh, I was at Gladstone's baby shower yesterday. Oh. Mike White's uh, baby baby shower. Right. Uh, got drunk with the Whites last night doing that. No way. Yeah. That's odd, huh? Even at the baby shower, you know. We were just hiding out in the back while all the girls were in with the <laughs> presents and stuff. Drinking beer and hanging out. And um, anyhow, little baby Gladstone is due soon. Gladstone 005 White is what we named him on the last <laughs> show. Doc, you, I think you missed that. So, anyway, uh, what else? Subscribe and join the BN Army. It uh, enters you into our more beer donation giveaway every month. Uh, you can get all these updates over on Twitter and Facebook. Um, <laughs> hi, Jip. Hi. <clears throat> how are you, brother? Good. How are you doing? Doing good. Did you did another wheel fall off the Volkswagen? No. No, I was out of town. Oh, okay. 
Drove back a lot of traffic. Gotcha. Disneyland busy here in Rush River. No, went out to uh, the coast. Mm. Uh, Girlfriend's parents have a beach house. Nice in uh, Shelter Cove. Yeah, which is like, uh, yeah, sounds like something out of a horror movie. It kind of is. Like the only, from what yeah. I understand, the only real houses are like vacation homes because hmm. everyone who lives there are like fishermen and they just camp. The fishermen camp. The fishermen camp because they're kind of migrant and whatever. I see. A uh, little nine-hole golf course. Yeah. Is it north golf? or south of here? North. Okay. Yeah. Like five and a half hours. Oh. So just bombed through, gotcha. dropped her off, and came here. Okay. Yeah. The Sounds- chat room just flipped out. was like, Chipper has a girlfriend <laughs> they're very confused it is yeah, confusing well, isn't it confused me you meant you meant you went with one of your friends that's a dude right <laughs> my cats <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, cats I mean, let's clarify i went with nate smith yeah okay. but with the hair it confuses me from the back it's, it's all good it's baby. easily a girlfriend yeah you know people see you guys walking hand in hand on the beach from behind and no one's gonna yell out homo or yeah. any other they just you know. think uh she has hairy legs right and she does apparently <laughs> that she does Oh, my kids find it amusing that uh, you're, I told them your best friends are cats. <laughs> <laughs> they find it very amusing. I wonder why. <laughs> Just like the rest of us. Yeah. So, sorry about being late, but yeah, uh, no the 80, you know, we went to Rush River for lunch. Okay. Um, Roadhead? The 101 and the 80 were just packed. Yeah. Tons of fucking people. That happens on a Sunday. Uh, I didn't know. All right, chat. You have announcements for us. I do have no. announcements. All right, chat's announcements are brought to you today by Williams Brewing. It's one of our local uh, homebrew shops here. You can go to WilliamsBrewing.com and check it out. They've got everything you need to brew a great batch of beer. All right, AHA rally is coming up August twenty first at Naked City Brewing up in Seattle, Washington. August 29th, Avery Brewing Company in Boulder, Colorado, and November sixth, Maui Brewing Company. If you're in Hawaii, man, you're lucky. Go out to that one. Uh, AHA Club Only Comps coming up. Sour Ales, which will be on September 9th. The Emerald Coast Beer Festival is also taking place on September 10th at 6 o'clock at the Seville Quarter in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, Sixth Annual More Beer Forum Comp. That'll be a big one. Entry deadline is August 14th. Uh, Man, I hear there's uh, only a few hundred entries, so keep them coming. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's the uh, best of show gets a conical, don't they? In that thing? Uh, they do, Whoa. man. Fourteen, yeah, big one. Yeah, heated, really? cooled, right? Ultimate? <clears throat> no, standard, the standard conical. But it's the even so, oh, man. Hey, you know, it's the gateway conical. It's yeah. pressurizable though. It's the new pressurizable. Ooh, one, so. yeah. nice, yeah. sweet. And so, judging takes place uh, August twenty eighth for that one. Uh, fourth annual Golf Brew in Lafayette, Louisiana, Saturday. Uh, oh shit! Sorry, that already happened. Moving on. <laughs> it was. Hope you had a good time. Go yesterday. <laughs> At Gulf City was really good. Wow. Yeah. I hope it went well. Uh, <clears throat> the National Organic Brewing Challenge taking place this year. Um, September 1st through October 9th, they're accepting entries. This is the fourth annual. Uh, you can go to uh, breworganic.com for all the details for that one. And then the uh, Limbo Challenge is coming up for the North Texas Homebrewers Association. This is the world's first low-gravity homebrew competition. I think you get a... Gold lawnmower for the lawnmower beer and all that good stuff. How low can you? Yeah, it's pretty much session beers. Uh, then NCHF is also taking place September 17th through the 18th, and that's going to be up in uh, Lake Dobbins. If you're not going to be at JBF, that's a good one to check out. Uh, all the North Cal guys will be there. I think Tasty's going to be there. I'll be holding court there, yes. Yeah? Cool. <laughs> the only one, probably. Yeah, Doze will probably have a, a lot of beers, and uh, so it's a good tent to stop by along with all the other guys up there. 
Uh, go to nchfinfo.org for all the info. Uh, then the Queen of Beers is taking place. Uh, judging is going to be October 23rd. I'll be uh, there, man. Yeah? Yeah, sure. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, if you want to register, go to hayesclub.org. <laughs> I do wish the Queen of Beers was a gay homebrew competition. Yeah, it's not. It's not. Let's make it. But it would be a lot more fun if it was. Beer is super. Why don't we make one? We should. Well, because the first annual lunch meet Castro Beer Homebrew or Homo Brew Club competition. 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 Lunch meet sort of has a certain ring to it, doesn't it? Just flows. And then uh, the last one I have is October 2nd. That is the Wu Town Brewers Homebrew Club Mm. Barley Legal Homebrew Camp. Entries are being accepted September 11th through the 25th. Better check them out. Check them out. Wu Town Brewers. That's all I got. All right. Don't forget, Chat's announcements are brought to you today by Williams Brewing. Go to WilliamsBrewing.com and do us a favor buy something from them today or this week. You know, just buy something. Somewhere. They're a good sponsor. Been with us for a long time, and yeah. we love them. I started with them. I, oh, is that right? Yeah, I used to just pour over their catalog and uh, just order my next beers through, the, you know, all their ingredients. Yeah. Order and stuff. So, yeah, that's who I started with. No, they're okay. still going strong, so go check them out. Uh, I have kind of long feedback, and I need to get to Steve by 5.30, so I'm going to wait on that. But I did want to cover a story just real quick uh, that got sent to me. You guys seen everyone talking about the um, the end of history beer? The, yeah, you know sure. the, the late. We talked about it last week. The latest or the week before the latest brew dog um, mm-hmm. marketing ploy where they they put that five hundred dollar beer inside a dead squirrel. Yeah, you seen that, Doc? No, it's a bottle of beer and it's a really high gravity beer or something. I don't know, yeah. it's, it's some kind of sp- special it's beer. Just ice distilled till it gets. Yeah, it's an ice box. So and and then they put the bottle inside a dead squirrel. Like a stuffed dead squirrel. Like, like the one we have? Like the one we have. Okay. And uh, it goes for like 500 pounds is how much the beer is. Okay. For one. So it's their latest marketing thing. Everyone's yeah. talking about it. Well, there's a there's a blogger. That, somebody sent me a link to this. Uh, he wanted to do his own beer. It's tomscott.com slash beer. You can go to check out his beer blog, I guess. He, he came up with a cheaper alternative. And I thought it was interesting, so I wanted to, to, to read it to you. But he basically said, you know, he, and he wrote this stuff to the brew dog guys. He sent them his idea. Um, he said, look, I can't afford your beer, so I've created the end of history on a budget. And what he did was he went out and found the cheapest can of beer he can find. It was, I think the can was like a buck ninety nine or something like that. And he got a little stuffed uh, bear, like a stuffed animal bear. <laughs> And then he cut a hole in the bear's ass and yeah. pulled out some of the stuffing and shoved the can of beer up there and, um, you know, sewed it up again around the beer can. You can see pictures of it on the site with the little can coming. Actually, he duct taped the can into the, uh, you know, stuffed bear's ass. And then he sent it along, uh, along with a note to the brew dog guys to, right. to see what they think about his idea. Yeah. And I thought it was a fantastic idea. Did they get back to him? <clears throat> I don't know. This oh. was just posted recently, I think. Um, I don't see a date on it, but I haven't heard a reply yet. Maybe if TomScott.com listens to this segment, he can keep us up to date on what the BrewDog guy said. great. I think it's a nice... I think if, if I were a BrewDog, I'd go, you know what? We should do this. Yeah, we're because gonna- it'd be funny. We have this ridiculously expensive <laughs> one. Yeah. And now we're going to send out a little teddy bear up the can up the ass beer to... Yeah. You know, or if anything, go into the cellar and give this guy some good beer. Right. You know, <clears throat> help a brother out. Yeah. Anyway, TomScott.com/slash/beer. I don't know the guy. Someone just sent me a link, and I thought it was funny. And uh, there you go. Good stuff. 
All right, I'm going to take us to a quick break. When we come back, Steve Dressler from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company is with us, and I'm excited because I've wanted this guy on the show for quite some time. Get to talk to him about everything Sierra Nevada plus sustainability in brewing, which is one of Jipper's favorite, uh, favoritist topics. I love it. When it comes to sustainability and climate change and... Yeah, and Tasty's doing sustainable drinking. I maybe it's we really should, important. Maybe a listener should guess how many Al Gore uh, digs will JP get in during this interview. <laughs> Hang in there. It's the session with Sierra Nevada. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Hey, Push, the new brewery's looking good. Thanks, Finn. Piece by piece. Well, let's fire her up. Whoa! Is that a new kettle? Yeah, just got it brand new, but paid half price. What? And that blade scale? 40% off. The new tap handle? Five bucks instead of 13. Got a new regulator for the brew stand, too, but five bucks instead of 25. Dude, where are you stealing all this stuff from? Where else? The more beer deal of the day. Announcing the Beer, Beer, and More Beer Deal of the Day. Every day, a new fantastic deal from big items to small that will blow you away. Boil kettles, carboy carriers, sterile siphon starters, digital timers. Watch morebeer.com every day for a new deal, and you just might find the item you've been waiting for at a price you cannot believe. Hurry, because stock is limited on most items. And that sweet Guinness cap, let me guess. The The More Beer beer Deal deal of the day. Day. Yeah, I knew it. Come on, let's brew something. Find the more beer deal of the day at morebeer.com. Celebrity voices impersonated. Nico, listen, our lawyers said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months and then to the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment 10 years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer at Brew Free or Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska, in cans and on draft. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has home brewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Ah. White Labs. It's all in the vial. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. 
The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerone's No Beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerone's are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious. Cicerone's are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. What's up, BN Army? Jake and Mike here from Brewing TV. Brewing TV is homebrew culture in video. Asking the big questions. Who and why. We leave the how to the tubby know-it-alls. Check us out at BrewingTV.com. The first webisode drops May 7th. Like Crosley's pants in a Louisiana jail cell. This is www.thebrewingnetwork.com. Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to The Brewing Network. The Brewing Network. Saving your life. One beer at a time. trying to drink away this bronchitis i think it's working hmm. i find that beer helps my colds a lot yeah thin things out a little bit it does mm-hmm. it uh, loosens me up loosens you know the phlegm yeah something about i wake up feeling worse that's weird but uh it helps at the moment i'm drinking my cough away so you don't have to hear me do it on today's program i like to cough my drink away you do huh yeah it's kind of weird it's kind of odd all right, uh, welcome back to the session. Today is the Sierra Nevada, uh, Sierra Nevada show with Steve Dressler, and hopefully I've got Steve on the line here. Steve, you with us? Yeah, yes, I am. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to have you on the program, Steve. Uh, it's something I wanted to I wanted to interview guys for a long time, so thanks for well, being thank here. Thank you so much. Now, yeah. I, I met Steve for the first time last year at the Great American Beer Festival, and he That's was... correct. He was on a What's New in Brewing panel with us, and I wanted to talk to Steve then about uh, Citra hops because uh, a lot of brewers had started to use them, and certainly Sierra Nevada. But one of the topics that we got into uh, and ran out of time was sustainability in brewing. So I kind of said to Steve then, hey, you know, I really want to get you on the show, and, and, and we'll do it then. So that's one of the topics we're talking about with you today, Steve. Is, Great. Uh, sustainability. One of my favorites here at the brewery. Perfect. Um, the other thing, I mean, just to get us started is, you know, I, I assume that everybody's familiar with Sierra Nevada, um, and I, I know the history pretty well, but i like to have you tell some of it. Um, oh, certainly. I wanted to let you know that Sierra Nevada was my uh, craft beer gateway beer, actually. Awesome. And <laughs> it, was, it wasn't, I didn't fall in love instantly, because I was drinking like, I mean, I, Olympia, I, I was drinking ice. like Keystone yeah. Lights Ugh. and some real, mm-hmm. some real awful flavorless stuff. And my girlfriend's brother always had the Sierra Nevada, his parties. And I, and I tried it the first time, and I thought, 
Well, that is just awful. That is, I don't know, I don't know why anybody <laughs> call that beer. Oh, yeah, well, no, you know, I could, I couldn't relate to that because when I started working here in '83, you know, uh, and it was, you know, at the time it was pretty aggressively flavored beer, you know, with the bitterness. And yeah, I would always bring a case to whatever parties I was going to. And I mean, when people were drinking big at that time, they were drinking something like a Heineken, right? And yeah. so I, I basically had to wean all my friends onto it as well. I think part of it, of course, it was always free. <laughs> they, were, they, were, they, were, they were going for, but um, you know, once you once you get your palate a little bit uh, adapted to some more aggressive flavors, um, it's really hard going back. So um, you know, people kind of got hooked on that hop thing at that point. So. Well, Heineken is imported. I mean, let's be fair. <laughs> yeah, but that was that was that was big. You know, yeah, if, if yeah. it was yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, your your party you does notch up if you're serving Heineken. Yeah. That's right. You know, prior prior to that, you know, the old English uh, 800 tall boys worked out pretty well. You know, so. <laughs> that's right. Still do, Steve. Still <laughs> do. <laughs> well, you know, you take, take one of those grade, out but... of the freezer and you're halfway home. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and and it you're right though. It didn't take me long. I mean, it took a few weeks of kind of well, it, that's the beer that's here. I'm going to have it. You know, mm-hmm. a lot, a lot mm-hmm. like your friend did with the free beer but i'll tell you when i did adapt i just never went back and i think that that's the thing about it is it's not just you know getting your palate to learn about new flavors it's 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 that once it does it really can't accept anything less well that's great it is it's you know you go from a bland uh, diet and start getting to some nice spicy foods and you know a lot of flavorful foods and it's the same thing you're not going to go back eating you know uh, pablum and just plain old mashed potatoes. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. So, give us a little bit of the history, Steve. And and let me just tell you in here too. We've got uh, uh, JP on the microphone. How you doing, Steve? Hi, JP. We've got Tasty in here. Hi, Steve. We've got Chad in here. Hey, Steve. And I'm not. I'm not going to ask why you call him Tasty. <laughs> That's probably a good idea. Yeah. And then we've got our our yeah. resident uh, beer scientist. We've got Doc in here. How too. you doing? Awesome, Doc. Nice to, nice to meet all y'all. Just wanted you to know you'll, you'll have several voices coming at you. But, That's uh, great. Well, uh, I've got several in here, and I'm by myself, so no, no issues. <laughs> several in your head already? <laughs> Perfect. So give us a little history. Well, this is the 30th year of the brewery. It uh, started in, um, in 1980. Uh, Ken did his first saleable batch in uh, November, I believe on November 15th uh, of that year. And his first one... Uh, First beer out was a stout, uh, and he was doing uh, the classic, you know, pale ale porter stout uh, scenario at that time. Uh, the brewery back in 1980 was incredibly small. I think the first year uh, production was just a few hundred barrels, maybe between four and five hundred barrels, and uh, grew slowly uh, at that point. I came on in January of '83, and I think my first year. Uh, we were getting, you know, getting up around a thousand, maybe a little thousand plus barrels, uh, per year. Uh, the brewery at that point in time was in some small, uh, metal Quonset huts that are a little bit south of the current location on 20th Street. In fact, uh, the, well, the road at that time was called Gilman Way and it wasn't even paved. Uh, the brewery originated in an old transmission shop. Um, we were doing five and seven barrel batches. Mainly with uh, old uh, used dairy equipment that Ken had scrounged uh, from some scrapyard sales and from some used used equipment dealers here in the valley and some uh, places south of here, uh, put the brewery together, um, and we were over there on Gilman until uh, between '88 and then 1989. We moved over uh, to the current uh, uh, facility on 20th Street. 
Uh, at that point in time, we opened up uh, the 100-barrel brew house. Uh, it's a used brew house that Ken bought in Germany. Um, and if you've ever been to the brewery here and been to the, the pub, it's the brew house that you can see through the window okay. when you look from the restaurant. It's a and big jump. Commission, it was a big jump. Uh, that was one of the biggest challenges of my career. Go and At the time, we had upscaled our equipment to about 15-barrel batches. Mm-hmm. And for the home brewers and whatnot out in your audience, uh, you know, when you're upscaling your uh, recipes, uh, it's not linear. I mean, if you want to go tenfold, you don't just multiply everything by ten. Uh, your utilization of raw materials uh, changes quite a bit um, as as you change your brew size. So uh, that was a huge challenge uh, for us, uh, and it was uh, there was a real imperative nature of getting the brew house going. We'd been really scrimped for uh for product that uh, going through that time and um so we really were in in a big of a a bit of a push uh to get uh, the new facility running as soon as we could so uh we did our first batches here in um right at the beginning of um of 89 uh and we ran that brew house the 100 barrel brew house uh until 1996 going into 97 uh we did a lot of expansions over the course of that time when we came online in 89 uh we kind of thought you know we could do 50 to 60,000 barrels somewhere around 50,000 barrels out of this facility you know with uh, some additional tanks and whatnot and we realized within the first 12 to 18 months that uh what we had opened up with was uh woefully undersized and so we went through a series of almost yearly seller expansions uh, going into 1996. 1996 was one of the craziest years uh, from a production point uh, here at the brewery. I think I ran that brew house over there uh, round the clock 24-7 except we shut down for Christmas Day and our mandatory boiler inspection. Wow. But yeah, we brewed uh, through everything, the company parties, all the holidays. Uh, everything trying to uh, meet demand. Uh, the the early 90s were uh, incredibly frenetic times for craft brewing. Uh, we would go uh, 25-30% uh, production increases on a yearly basis. Uh, 1996, I believe, was the year that we actually had to ration um, Celebration Ale, and we weren't able to ship it uh, east of the Rockies, which uh, gave uh, a lot of people a great deal of angst. Right. Um, and so got a lot of hate mail, too. Really? <laughs> uh, but uh, so we really were pushing to get uh, the new 200-barrel system online uh, before Celebration Ale season in 97, which we did accomplish. Um, and we've been expanding the facility over here from a cellaring capacity uh, ever, ever since. Uh, right now we've got a great mix of brewing capacity and fermentation, and so... This year we're hoping to brew uh, close to, uh, or right around 800,000 barrels we're on a pace for. Wow. Uh, or actually for sales of 800,000 barrels, which would be huge, you know, when you think we went from 1,000 barrels back in the day or even less than that. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, the, the growth has been uh, wonderful. Uh, we've always stayed to our our philosophy of quality is uh, the number one thing that that we take care of here. And, you know, the quality of the beer, uh, the quality of the facility, um, and just the quality of the environment that we work in. And it's, uh, you know, for my career here now in over 27 years, it's one of the things that I'm by far and away the most proud of. Um, 
Yeah, you, you know, as, as the brewery grew, uh, we were able to expand our product line quite a bit. Uh, Celebration Ale was on uh, in 82. Uh, Bigfoot came on uh, in 82, 83. Uh, we expanded our seasonals now so that we have a four-seasonal lineup, which has changed a little bit over the last few years as we've kind of inserted different styles of beers into uh, the seasonal program to see what works real well and uh, also to give people a little bit of change up uh, once in a while. How many beers um, would you say you do in total out there? Um, well, shoot, I've got 16 different handles over in our tap room. Okay. And those uh, those change quite a bit. On a yearly basis now, uh, we're probably doing, um, well, let's see, we've got, I'd say close to 20. Wow. You know, with some of the limited releases and the seasonals, you know, the harvest ales have expanded into a three-beer format. Uh, we did the Sierra 30 series for our anniversary this year. That was four beers. Um, and then we do some real special beers, uh, some small batch one-off beers in our pilot plant. We actually, about four or five years ago, put in a 10-barrel brew house again. And so we have a lot of fun over there uh, doing, uh, we have a Vienna-style ale on over um, in the tap room right now. We do some Rausch beers over there. Some real fun, different uh, hoppy beers with a single varietal uh, uh, hop placement in the brew. And so um, it, gets, you know, it's, it gets very, very fun. It seems to me that over the last couple of years, I've noticed more and more specialty beers coming out on the taps and in the bottles that, that you're distributing. Is, is that right, or did I just never notice oh, all these no, different varieties? Oh, no, it is. You know, we've, uh, for, the, for so many years, you know, we were basically uh, battling to uh, meet demand. Got it. And after, after 97, and we had a little bit of freedom of movement, uh, we were able to play around a little bit. So, you know, uh, about, well, last year, Torpedo came out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We finally were able to uh, increase our product line and um, and do a, a real nice IPA. Uh, shortly after that, we came out with uh, the Keller Weiss, uh, which is a very nice, uh, truly uh, Bavarian uh, style uh, of Hefeweizen with some real nice banana and clove notes in it. It's um, very good. The American style. Have you already... had that one? Well, a Tasty has, I yes. guess. I've not had it, but I already had a listener question come through about that for you, Steve. Um, yeah, that was, that was a fun one. That one uh, required a tour of Bavarian Hefeweizen breweries last year, uh, which uh, that, was, that was tough duty. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, that's a tough job you have. Well, that was basically the question. Eagle Dude, who's in our chat room, he wanted to know uh-huh. what German beer uh, inspired your Kellerweitz. Well, you know, the beer was actually uh, from a very small uh, Hefeweizen brewery uh, called Gutmann. Okay. And uh, we, had, uh, we had tried that beer. Uh, a gentleman that com- lives in that area uh, works on our uh, computer programming uh, for the brew house automation. And as he would come back and forth, that was kind of like a, a, a small brewery in his area that he really liked. And he brought us some bottles of it, and uh, it was really the flavor profile that we were looking for. Okay. Uh, prior to that, we were doing an American-style wheat beer, which a lot of uh, craft breweries do. Uh, and that was just with our uh, regular ale strain of yeast. Uh, very nice beer, but it wasn't really uh, true to what we wanted. And so we went over and visited the folks at Gutmann. Uh, we also went to Andex. Um, we went uh, to uh, a number of different breweries over there, met with the brewmasters, toured their facilities, uh, got a little bit of insight into their fermentation profiles and their 
spear handling techniques, and we came back and uh, and hit it pretty good uh, from a flavor profile that we wanted. We played around with um, that style on a draft-only format for a couple years, but never really got uh, the balance of flavor and uh, aroma that we wanted. And so uh, the, the trip... The trip was awesome. We learned a lot. The brewers were incredibly generous uh, with their information and time, and so they really helped us pull off what I think is a phenomenal beer. Did you use their uh, strain of yeast, or did you uh, get, get your yeah, own? Yeah, we started. Out of it? We actually started playing around with the Gutmann strain, uh, and that's uh, we had the the brewmaster and his assistant over. Um, and last year uh, for a visit, uh, we did a collaborative brew with them. Uh, in our pilot brew house, and they actually did a Weizenbach that was uh, incredible, uh, real nice, uh, uh, heavy wheat beer, uh, and uh, they had a lot of fun with some hops that we had available to them, hopped it up quite a bit, actually even did a post-fermentation hopping with it. Wow. Uh, we served that over in our tap room, and it, it was just, just beautiful. Um, and so we're actually uh, playing, we've been using uh, the yeast, that they use, uh, they were really quite amazed that we could come so close to the flavor profile uh, with markedly different uh, brew house techniques. But uh, uh, they were favorable of what we were doing. They're great folks. And so uh, hopefully within the next year or so, I'll be able to send a couple of my guys over uh, and have an opportunity to brew with them. That's pretty cool. You'd think that they'd be a little, that even if they gave you all the information to brew a great Kellerite, that they maybe would be a little stingy about the yeast and say, "Well, this yeah, one's ours." Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it, it was. You know, we were uh, we were really uh, flattered with that. You know, particularly when they came over and uh, we went over and visited them on the tour, as I mentioned, and uh, when they had a chance to meet Ken and then come over this way and see what what we were doing mm. uh, and uh, Ken's personality and the personality of the brewery it just kind of all fell in place. That's cool. Um, so uh, it was it was a, a wonderful time. What kind of uh, fermentation temperature to get that banana clove flavor just right? We, uh, we run that beer, uh, we put it into the cellar uh, just below 70 degrees and we let it ferment up uh, I think to about 74, 75 degrees. Okay. Uh, it's all done through our open fermentation system. And one of the things that we learned with uh, these hefeweizen and yeasts, you know, with the ale strain of yeast, we would do a fermentation, uh, and at the end of fermentation, we would crop the yeast. So we'd chill the beer down a little bit and let it settle to the bottom uh, and then crop it, uh, which we do with our pale ale and all of our ales. And, and what we found from generation to generation was uh, the beer would really lose its flavor. Uh, the banana and clove would just really fall down uh, to nothing in a very short amount of time. And so what we learned over there was they just basically never let the fermentation stop. Uh, their, their fermenters are set up so that they can do a really nice top cropping. Everything's done with an open-top uh, cylindroconical tank. Mm -hmm. And so they top crop at high croissant, so the fermentation never really ends. And so the yeast just continues to go as it would in peak fermentation. Wow. Uh, we brought that... We brought that back here, and I can do some top cropping, but not uh, not as much as I can as I would need to from my open fermenters. All the beer goes through the open fermenters. We move it at high croissant, and then what we actually do uh, at the peak of fermentation for a pitch, we do a volumetric beer pitch. So it is a croissant. So we'll bring back 20 barrels uh, for another 200 barrel uh, fermenters. And so the yeast just runs constantly like that. And so we've been able to keep that peak 
flavor and aroma profile going. Um, that was that was really the main thing that we needed to overcome. Wow! Did you find that because uh, the yeast basically were separating some the ones that went to the bottom, the ones with the top uh, had different characteristics. You know, I, I, I you know I don't know that that's really it. I think uh, you, you know I think for that particular strain. Uh, yeah, once the fermentation was over, and, and it could have, you know, when we were taking it off the bottom, uh, maybe the yeast wasn't quite as healthy. Uh, but for whatever reason, it just totally lost its um, its flavor profile. Yeah. So now when I'm brewing that beer, we, we get a propagation going from the lab, and then we get into fermentation. I'll brew for two to three weeks and get it all uh, cellared away, and then we package that out uh, as required, and then um, I start another propagation again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just wondering, you know, I, I have read that uh depends on where you take uh, your next yeast sample from for the, the next mm-hmm. batch. And, oh. uh, if you keep taking it from the bottom and those are the ones that aren't producing the flavors you want, you're going to kind of perpetuate that. That's what that. you do. You know, when you, when, you, when you crop or however you do crop, you're absolutely right. You end up, whether you want to or not, doing somewhat of a pre-selection yeah. of, uh, of, of, uh, of your yeast. And so, you know, the, the older the yeast cell, you know, the, they're bigger and things do settle to the bottom by gravity and even with a single cell. And so your oldest yeast, particularly in a cylindroconical, is going to be at the bottom of the cone. And so uh, with our ale yeast, uh, for instance, uh, we always pre-purge a set amount out of the bottom of the cone before we crop. And we're looking for a certain layer within uh, that cone, of that wedge, if you think of it that way. Mm-hmm. And that's what we always use from generation to generation. And that's, that way we maintain uh, the consistent flavor profile in our ales. Uh, with the Hefeweizen, evidently you just take it right off the top. So, hmm. Now, you guys, something different than a lot of craft breweries, probably most craft breweries, and more aligned with, with the bigger guys, you guys have a real lab there to be able to study these things, right? Oh, we do. You know, we actually, uh, we've got a couple, three different labs here. And going back to the uh, original brewery, uh, right when Ken opened uh, the brewery, he had the forethought to uh, put in a quality control lab. Mm. So from day one, uh, we were running micro and we were doing tests on the beer to make sure that uh, the beers that we were putting out uh, for public consumption were clean, you know, from a microbiological point of view. And I think that was one of our real keys to success. Yeah. Uh, as I speak to groups, you know, even in, in a pub setting, you know, there's some things that you can do uh, as far as having a lab uh, to maintain quality and consistency of flavor. But we've got a, a, a very nice a quality micro lab here, and we also have a state-of-the-art R&D lab uh, in conjunction with our pilot plant. And so we can do uh, beer analysis uh, and research uh, uh, on beer from a scientific point of view, uh, like any of the big guys. And and probably do uh, more so now. Now, you know that the guy whose business card says Sierra Nevada R&D is like the envy of all of his friends. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. You know, the brewer over there, the, the gentleman that, uh, that runs the R&D uh, facility, uh, Gil Sanchez, he came out of uh, Miller, and they, uh, during some of their uh, uh, Work they they started downsizing a little bit within their lab system, and so we were fortunate enough uh, to pick him up. And then the gentleman that runs uh, the brew house over there, uh, his name is Scott Jennings, and he came on and worked for me for a couple three years. And then when we opened that facility, uh, we moved him out back, and 
he's a very well-educated brewer, uh, uh, excellent uh, formulator, and just has a real great sense of what he's doing. And so I get to live vicariously through him now. Uh, <laughs> nice. He, he puts, uh, he gets to, you know, he'll do uh, three or four new beers a month out there sometimes. So at, at least three or four a month. So it's it's a, it's a hell of a lot of fun. When you're doing a beer, uh, you talked about your pilot brewery. Uh, and you're trying to dial it in. How big's your pilot brewery? Ten barrel batches, and so we'll do either twenty or forty barrel fermenters. Hmm. And who so gets who, who gets to try these? Yeah, are you these? doing that or? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, as far as the formulation, Scott and I work on those things together. Some of the beers uh, directly come from me if I've got something going on. Uh, some of the beers uh, come from uh, a lot of the beers that we've been doing lately. We've got this great fun thing we do called Beer Camp. And I think I mentioned it, uh, Justin, in one of my emails to yeah. you. And we actually bring in groups of people uh, from around the country, uh, sometimes distributors, mostly, mostly uh, uh, people from different accounts that serve uh, Sierra Nevada beers, and they'll come in a group of anywhere from 8 to 12 people. Uh, and uh, they get to uh, spend a day here at the brewery touring around and hanging out, and then the next day, uh, at the end of the day on Thursday, generally, they put together a beer that they would like to brew. Uh, it's straight out of whatever ideas they come up with on a consensus. Uh, I've got almost anything around here that you need. Uh, you know, we probably have 20 different hop varieties and at least that uh, amount of different malts on hand at any point. They put together a beer. Scott helps them with the formulation, um, and they brew it. Uh, we cellar it and keg it up for them, ship it off to uh, their accounts, uh, and then we serve it here in our tap room. And so we probably do 25, uh, close to 30 of those a year now, uh, and so that's another 25 beers a year that we do just kind of like off the cuff. Right. That's fun. And that, that, wow. that's a hell of a lot of fun. We had a couple of listeners actually come through Beer Camp there, and they, oh, great! Yeah, they—I uh, I don't remember how they got picked, but they won. Well, they won uh, first place in the national homebrew competition. Oh, that's mm-hmm. okay. Doc, when Doc, it was in Oakland, right? Doc and I had. Yeah, to, had yeah, tickets. yeah. We did the golden ticket thing, and so um, yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, Doc, uh, Tasty and I had golden tickets too, but we, uh, we couldn't make we couldn't it. make it that year. <laughs> Damn it! Yeah, so uh, Ken K, you know, we did that in conjunction with the AHA. He happened to be one of the keynote speakers. down there last year and so he's like what a great way to uh let some people come in um and they they had a ball and so we're doing uh that again this year and we're also doing a couple of uh of public contests Uh, i saw some of the videos that people have submitted as to why they uh, should be able to come in and brew in beer camp and uh, absolutely hysterical nice so we'll be we'll be doing one with a group from california and then we'll be doing another group with people from uh, around the country that's really cool. I now I I got to meet Ken once also, and he's just mm-hmm. a real, uh, obviously a very successful man, but really yeah. down to earth, and still you can tell he still loves home brewing, and that's kind of you know cool. he does. He, you know that's where his roots were from. Before opening up the brewery, uh, he actually had a, uh, the homebrew shop that's here in Chico, and he started that homebrew shop and then sold it, I believe, in eighty. 7980. Okay. Well, I started home brewing in 79 and he was still there. So right around in 80 and uh that was help, you know, get a little bit of the seed money to start the brewery. Uh but he started home brewing uh early in life uh as I well I started home brewing when I was in college. But uh yeah, he's got a great appreciation for the art and uh 
a lot of the guys here on staff still homebrew, um, and, and and it's it's awesome. I mean, what a great hobby, yeah. uh, you know, great mixture of science and uh, creativity, and it's it's really a, not a bad thing to enjoy at the end of the day. Now, back in your early days at Sierra, uh, when there really weren't a lot of craft brewers in the country, no, did you ever imagine that Sierra Nevada would be where it is today? Oh no, yeah. never. I mean, <laughs> that's why when we moved. When we moved over here, you know, and we're thinking, okay, with a little bit of luck and, and you know, the market was good and everything, you know, if, you know, that 50,000 barrel range, I mean, that was a good, that was a big brewery back, you know, um, in uh, the late 80s. Yeah. And, you know, we figured, well, we could, you know, we could buy cars and stuff and have a, have a living. <laughs> and put gas in it. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, maybe, maybe get a mortgage in the works there at some point. Own and, a dog. Uh, yeah, you know, and the and the way the the brewery has grown. No, I, no, we never uh we never dreamt of anything like that. There wasn't anything around at that time, you know. Uh you know, Anchor Steam of course was uh that was the role model, you know, they they were they were out there and doing great things, um and they were kind of pushing around in that range. Yeah. And so we thought, my god, if we're if we're fortunate enough, uh we could someday uh, do something <laughs> akin to that. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, now, now, where are you in relation to other craft breweries? Because to me, you look to be the biggest. Yeah, you know, from a from a single point of brewing, you know, from a single entity, we we are. You know, Sam Adams uh, is in. They're in the craft category. Okay, and they're uh, twice our size. Okay. Uh, and then we come along as as number two. I see. Um, and so, and then I believe uh, number three now would be uh, New Belgium. Okay, right. And they're, and they're, they're I believe, uh, half to two-thirds our size, somewhere in there. I don't have all those figures in front of me. Right. Uh, and, I don't, you know, those are, the, those are the numbers that I don't really uh, crunch on too much. Uh, but, uh, you know, the pale ale is the number one. Uh, it's the number one pale ale in the country. And, okay. you know, it's uh, from a private ownership and a single entity brewery. I, I, you know, we're right up in there. Right. Well, and, I think now that's... from overall brewing, we're probably number seven in the country, something like that, seven, eight. Oh, okay. Because you have yeah, to count that, groups the, together. Yeah, right? that's, yeah. that's what the big boys They're yeah. contract brewing. Right. Well, see, yeah. that's the imp- and the only reason I asked that question mm-hmm. is because, to me, it's impressive to grow uh, to your size and still produce beer that craft beer geeks like, like us and my listeners still go to time and time again. Oh, yeah. You, a lot well, of the know, larger Ken, companies go away from that, you know. Mm-hmm, yeah, Ken's really into uh, the different flavors, and, uh, you know, it's one of the beauties, too, of... Uh, of even being privately owned. I, I mean, there's there's one owner. You know, there's no investors. There's no board of trustees, and right. and nobody that you have to make happy at the end of the day, other than Mr. Grossman. And so, uh, you know, if he if he wants to do something, he does. And so, uh, if it's a if it's a beer style, a flavor, raw materials, uh, equipment, whatever goes into the brewery. Uh, you know, if he's happy with it, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. It's not. It's not only about the ROI, the return on investment. Yeah. It's about the quality of the operation uh, and the quality of the product. I wonder if Ken would be interested in adopting a 32-year-old successful uh, <laughs> beer radio entrepreneur. I don't want to. You know, I don't know. Him. I'll put it to him, but yeah. I've been asking him to adopt me since I was about twenty-six. So I don't know. <laughs> right. I might have, might have a work ahead of him. Might, might might have a hard time doing that. Right. But well, uh, you know his his personality. That's that's the way he's very he's, he's brilliant. Obviously, very unique individual, and uh, and he has he stayed uh, true to his brewing roots uh, the whole time here. 
Right. If you ever wants to own a uh, internet radio show, <laughs> right? The, uh, uh, the Sierra Nevada session sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> yes, the Sierra Nevada yeah. Sunday session. Yes, That's right. Yes. Now, uh, before we go to break, uh, since we no, were, really were for we, sale, <laughs> since we were talking about a couple of your seasonal beers, one that everyone's mm-hmm. talking about, and I unfortunately couldn't find it on my shelf near me, is the Tumbler. Oh yeah, it just uh, it's just been out. Um, well, shoot, I was gone in July. It came out about the middle of the month, so it's only been out there about three four weeks now at best. Okay, um, and it and it's a really nice uh, a, a nice beer. We had a brown ale that we'd been doing a draft only uh, for quite a few years. Uh, we brought it out for a very limited seasonal. Oh, I'm thinking about four years ago, five years ago, and it went over really well. And we were looking for something to put into that uh, fall niche and 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 put in between Summerfest and our celebration ale, which is which is a really Tough time for a seasonal, um, you know, and Celebration Ale is locked into that October 1 spot because it's so uh, keyed on to the hop harvest. Okay. And so I did some reformulation on our brown ale, uh, and what we really wanted to try and do here, again, going from a freshness point of view, was get uh, the freshest roast malts that we could possibly get for that beer. And so we're getting some real fresh roasted crystals from a supplier up in the Northwest, and then... Just to give it some uh, flavor complexity, I thought about inserting just a tiny little bit of smoked malt uh, into the beer. Give it a little bit of dryness and uh, a little hint of some different flavors there. So it's not even a percent of grist. And uh, we had a smoker from our restaurant that we weren't using anymore. So actually we did uh, some of the smoked malt for the beer for every batch right here. And we would smoke it... uh, right during the week when we were brewing. And so uh, the, the flavor from that malt was just incredible. We were doing a, a dry smoke with it and, uh, and using some uh, local almond wood and, uh, and some almond and some hickory. And the, the malt came off beautiful. One of my guys was running that project for us. He had a hell of a lot of fun, and, uh, and, and it really gave the beer a, a, a nice touch. I did have it a couple of weeks ago, and, and I liked mm-hmm. it a lot. It, it was, it oh, was good. Thank you. one of the nicer Sierras I've had in a while, and I was hoping to have it today, so I at least wanted to ask you about well, it. Well, I've got a 24-ounce in my fridge, so... Uh, <laughs> I'll come on by. Yeah, we'll be over. There you, there you go. Well, next time I do this, I'll be down in the studio with you guys, and so I'll, I'll bring gifts. Perfect. Well, and, yeah. you know, I don't know why I didn't think about this earlier, Steve. We should have just had Ken fly you down in the private... Yeah, I, there must be a private jet, right? Or I mean, come on. Well, he, he leases a plane on occasion oh, so I that see. we can uh, we can take care of things a little bit more time efficiently but uh he's not he's not the type that's ever going to own a plane but it's nice right. uh you know the, people's time here gets so tight so it is nice to get in and out of a place in a day well know and, this uh, if, if you and that. ken ever flew down to be on my show in little pacheco i would probably consider myself a huge success and i could retire <laughs> just that would well, be it. Airport really close by. Yeah. There you go. Okay. That's awesome. We're going to take a quick break, if that's all right with you. That, no problem. Okay. And what, what I want to do when we come back is talk about some of the sustainability practices over there, because uh, they've awesome. really blown my mind. But I thought we could start that conversation with, uh, I did find a bottle of the Estate Homegrown Ale. Oh, there you go. So Great. I'm going to pour us some here at the break, and we'll talk about that beer and sustainability when we come back. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Hang in there. It's Steve Dressler from Sierra Nevada, and we're going to be talking about some good stuff. 888-401-BEER is the number, or join Scott in the chat room to ask questions. Hang in there. It's the session. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Brewcasters on The Brewing Network. 
Publications is proud to announce their newest release, Yeast, the Practical Guide to Beer Fermentation by Chris White and Jamil Zanishef. The Practical Guide to Beer Fermentation is a resource for brewers of all experience levels. Chris and Jamil thoroughly cover yeast selection, storage, handling yeast, and how to culture yeast. Learn how to set up your own yeast lab, the basics of fermentation science and how it affects your beer, plus step-by-step procedures, equipment lists, and a comprehensive troubleshooting guide. Professionals and homebrewers trust Dr. Chris White, who founded White Labs Yeast more than 15 years ago. And Jamil Zanishev is one of the most respected and most awarded homebrewers in history and co-author of Brewing Classic Styles with John Palmer. Yeast, the practical guide to beer fermentation by two of the most trusted names in commercial and home brewing. It's proudly available soon from Brewers Publications. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmasters Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmasters database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmasters Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmasters Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BNARMY in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. BN Army members, are you looking for a discount on hops? Keep listening. Nico's Homebrew Supply at nicobrew.com has hops by the ounce and by the pound. Choose from varieties like Amarillo, Centennial, East Kent Goldings, Hollertower, Simcoe, Summit, Tomahawk, Warrior, Willamette, and more. And adding new varieties all the time, many for less than 20 bucks a pound. Whether a couple ounces at a time or an 11-pound bag, all hops are shipped vacuum-sealed and frozen straight to you. Nico's Homebrew Supply offers store-wide $5 flat-rate chip and won't waste your money on unnecessary overhead or advertising. They're going bare bones and passing the savings on to you. The staff at Nico's Homebrew Supply loves to brew and is committed to keeping homebrewing affordable and accessible to anyone who wants to join in this great hobby. And for a limited time, use coupon code BNARMY at checkout for a Brewing Network discount. Visit NicoBrew.com. That's N-I-K-O Brew.com for your hops and more. NicoBrew.com, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. And now, Northern Brewer brings you another installment of The The Time Brewers! When last we left our heroes, they found themselves in 19th century Burton-upon-Trent. Ah, Merry England! Something is amiss, my friends. Be on guard! Arr, these casks of white Zinfandel will stand the Queen's men in good stead in far Bangalore. Ah, hell no! Blush wine out of Britain be worse than microwaving a kitten. Maharaja Dodgers drinking pink be vomiting predominant on the subcontinent. Oh, dear, you can't drink blush with Vindaloo. Oi, what should I do? Ship hogsheads of this high carbonate water? <laughs> no, sir. Please, wait. Just a moment. Well, bless me. A parcel from the future from one northern brewer. Use this malice all my good man. EKG at a high rate per barrel Make ladies wet like Colin Farrell 
Now quit Burton ruining the Burton Union and get Burton brewing. Forgettest thou not the bog myrtle. Northern Brewer is your one-stop homebrew supplier throughout the entire Fermento Chronosphere. The widest selection of quality malt, hops, yeast, $7.99 flat rate shipping, and keep that nasty-ass bog myrtle inside your sackcloth, Brother Abelard. My stars, but this India Pale Ale is better than wine. Thanks, Time Brewers. Thanks, Northern Brewer. Our work here is done, my friends. Now, to wherever we are next we dead. Tune in next time for the continuing adventures of the Time Brewers. Hilo, what's it feel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. <laughs> it's the Brewing Network. Listening to the Brewing Network. Because, like beer, radio shouldn't suck. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for hanging out with us. It's the session, and live with us now is Steve Dressler from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, hanging out uh, all the way from Chico. All right. Yep. Next time he's promised to come down with gifts. You guys heard it here. Now he's going to come down to Pacheco. Yeah, lovely yeah. Pacheco. Hopefully the gifts are a couple co-eds from <laughs> yeah, college. There you go. Pacheco. <laughs> Do you have a, um, like a, a pretty strong um, intern program there at the brewery? Uh, interns? Yeah. Uh, we start. We just started one uh, this last year, but, but not a lot. You okay. know, um, we're doing one now. Uh, we started one this summer in for... Uh, uh, an intern program for uh, employees' children, kids if they're over 18 that have an interest, just a little summer program. We bring some interns in to work uh, in our R&D facility. Uh, we had a gentleman uh, from Weinstefan in uh, Germany nice. uh, this last earlier this summer that was working on his thesis, and so we do some things of that nature. And we're looking at expanding a little bit uh, with some production uh, uh, internships. You know, we have got a great relationship with folks down at UC Davis. Oh, yeah. uh, and with their fermentation science program. And so uh, hopefully we'll be able to uh, get a little bit something going with them. Beautiful. Yeah. All right. So in front of us, to kind of kick off our conversation about sustainability, I have the mm-hmm. Sierra Nevada Estate Ale. Yeah. And I like this beer a lot. It's probably one of my That's favorite good. Sierra Nevadas. Uh, it's just a real rich kind of earthy character mm-hmm. that I like in, a, in, yeah. a, in an ale. That, that's been a fun project. You know, we, uh, we'd been growing some, uh, hops here on the property for about five years, and we were using those, uh, doing some wet hop, uh, a wet hop beer, and we called that beer, uh, 20th Street. Uh, very small amounts, and we, and we did that, uh, in the pub and for some local accounts and special. Uh, then last year, uh, we, after we completed our rail spur, we put in a rail spur to try and get a lot of our incoming, mainly my malt, uh, the raw materials off the road to get some fuel savings. Yeah, I'm going to ask uh, you about we, that later. Yeah, we, yeah, we put in the rail spur, and uh, when Ken bought that property, uh, it was uh, we put in the spur, and we ended up having about 30 to 35 acres uh, left over. It had some water rights on it, and so in order to keep the water rights, we needed to put something in the ground. So, well, why not put in some barley? So we've uh, we've been growing some barley. This is the second year now. 
Uh, and with our own hops and our own uh, barley, we had that barley malted with a, a, a small malting company that we have a relationship with. Uh, and so last year was the first that we did a beer that was 100% estate uh, grown uh, materials, raw materials, and it was absolute blast. That's impressive. Uh, yeah, so uh, we're growing Cascade uh, and some Chinook and some Citra. Over, we expanded our hop yard now to uh, a little over nine acres. Uh, I think the barley now is 35 to 40 acres. We put it a little bit more in there. Mm. Uh, this last year, we took it a little bit uh, farther, uh, had all the acreage uh, certified as organic, uh, and we just completed an organic certification uh, of the facility here. And so this year, when that beer comes out, it'll be our first certified uh, organic uh, beer as well. So, in, in fact, we're looking at doing our hop harvest uh, the end of this upcoming week, sometime around the 15th, 16th, perhaps. Uh, the barley's been harvested and malted, and it's all in silo. And so we'll start brewing this year's estate, uh, hopefully sometime uh, the week of the 16th. It all depends on the hop harvest. Mm. I got to think that Ken was a uber hippie back in the day, right? Like, <laughs> you know that he had a Volkswagen bus and uh, well, yeah, you know, he had yeah, I, I actually when I got my job at the brewery, I drove up in my bus. And so uh, <laughs> yeah. Now we're talking. You and uh, yeah, you know Ken's great, you know, he's uh yeah, he that's the way both of us were, you know, he, yeah. he grows a lot of his own food. He's got a nice orchard on his property. Uh, and he grows a lot of his own vegetables. Uh, and, you know, we just put in uh, this last year as well. We've got a two-acre organic vegetable garden What's uh, a vegetable? over by the hop field now uh, to, to serve uh, the restaurant. Now, how many, how large a batch of this estate were you able to produce with, with those? We did, last year we packaged about uh, 800, eight, well, yeah, about 800, 850 barrels. Wow, and we're yeah, it's it is. Uh, we get the hops in, uh, and uh, when they're coming off the picker, we're firing up the brew house, and we brew straight through uh, until we can get everything done. Wow. Um, you know, with the hops that we've got, basically we'll do two uh, two pickings. You know, because uh, the lighter aroma hops come off first, and then our chinooks will come off last. And so, basically, my challenge will be to take a look at the hops. As they come in, formulate the beer on the fly, not once but twice, mm. and then take those two beers, uh, blend them back together, and come up with something as remarkable as what you're drinking right now. That can't be easy, figuring out oh, what no, the hops are like. <laughs> yeah. well, no. <laughs> I'll I prefer not to analyze them when I'm doing that. I, do, I like to do oh. it just... Uh, by rubbing them, so uh, oh. yes, it's fun. <laughs> so you rubbing them out. Yeah. So, so, so you, yeah. don't, you don't go to the lab to get the alpha acid of those hops. Huh? They they run them, you know. But we've been doing uh, we've been doing wet hop beers now. I think this will be our thirteenth year. We were actually the first ones in the U.S. to do it. And uh, I kind of had a, a dry weight to wet weight uh, oh. ratio in my head from drying things out. And sure. so uh, you know. We we just play with it, you know. I I, I kind of prefer not to know. It makes it a little bit more of a challenge. Uh, you know, I know hops pretty well okay. from doing stuff over the years, and uh, it, it's just a it's a great rush. You know, you put the beer together, and then about six seven days later, as soon as it's chilled in the fermenter, 
and you get the yeast out of it, you're drinking it, and hopefully uh, having the proper oh my god moment. <laughs> right, <laughs> as opposed to the opposite. Yeah, as opposed to the opposite. So. Do you find yeah, that it's great fun? Do you find that uh, your hops uh, vary a whole lot from uh, you know year to year, uh, alpha acid wise, or can no, you just pretty you know, pretty much take like Cascade at like five and a half and be good? Yeah, at that? we could. You can judge it that way. You know, uh, they don't, they don't change a lot, uh, and we know, uh, and I know from just looking at the hops here you know particularly doing them organically there's no inputs and so they don't uh they don't get quite uh the oil and alpha uh amounts that you would get in 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 commercially grown hops and Mm. so we take that into consideration uh but you know the freshness is is what it's all about uh this year's barley came off really nice uh i had lunch with the gentleman that malted it last week on friday uh he loves working with us on this project because uh, he knows he's going to get a few cases of beer delivered to his office <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in, in a month or so. So and he's very do, yeah, he's a very creative guy. So. You do still have to send all the grain out to a maltster then? Yeah, we do. You know, we don't have uh, we don't have a malting facility here uh, that would handle this. One of the things we're kind of playing with uh, this next year or two is actually putting in uh, maybe a small uh, floor maltings, perhaps, or uh, put in uh, a little bit of a a drum malting facility so that we can do our own uh, crystal malt, say, for some of these real fresh malt aromas that we want to get in these specialty beers. Nice. Mm -hmm. Back to the... uh, Which is another thing that most people just aren't going to do, you know. No, It's not not one of those ROI things again. It's just all for fun. Right. Well, that's because that's craziness. (laughs) Yes, it is. That's thinking way too far... Outside of everything, yeah, it, it is you know, and uh, but uh, you know when you're thinking, oh my god, the flavors you can bring to people and right. uh, the the fun you can have while you're doing it, uh, why not? Yeah, once you put the beer first, then it's a logical thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, so it, that's one of the great things about uh, about being here at Sierra Nevada. Hey, you were talking uh, uh, about your wet hops and your ratio from wet to dry. What's the ratio that you guys use? You know, uh, I started out with about a five to one, six to one. Uh, you know, as I've played around a little bit, uh, I'll go anywhere now uh, as up to seven or eight to one. You know, wow. people are really driving that, uh, the aroma. Most of that goes in at the end. You know, uh, the beer that you're drinking when it was released probably was around 60 BUs. Uh, and it's a very nice, well-balanced uh, beer. Uh, but with the wet hot beers... Uh, I really want the aroma. You know, it's not about having a real bitter experience with that. Uh, and so you really start jacking them in at the end. In a 100-barrel brew, uh, towards the end of the boil, I'll put in four to 500 pounds of hops in a pop. <laughs> Damn, Jipper, that was an awesome question, i got to admit. That was a good question. Well, and it's interesting because uh, I was going to note about uh, wet hop beers. This one, it's not grassy. Like a lot no. of wet. Is yeah. that a variety thing, or is that about the ratio? No, it's a it's a it's a ratio thing. And I think if you if you take uh, if you take the wet hops and really try to drive up the kettle additions and get the bitterness up, you're going to start getting that grassy vegetative note. Um, and so it's all about uh, proper usage in 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 the brewing uh, and. Uh, and not overdoing it. You know, okay. that's where the real fine line is. I mean, when you're putting, you know, I think the most I've ever put in a 100-barrel kettle is 900 pounds of hops, uh, and that was, you know, to use up everything I had and then blend into the bulk of uh, 
uh, of the run on the on the product. Uh, but if you drink something like that on its own, you know, that's where you're going to get that kind of grassy, chlorophyll-y mm-hmm. flavor. Uh, and you can also get some bitterness uh, from that that's not a good, clean, hot bitter. Yeah. It's just more of a, a vegetative, uh, resiny type thing. Yeah. So it's all... All in, all in a little bit of dance for balance there. Well, for me, yeah, the, the wet hot beers, I'm sure, tasty's the same way. It's like, that's nice. Well, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, it's you got to dry t- 100 to get one. Yeah, I just they, they they all taste grassy, yeah. and it's like, nice effort, and yeah. I'm not going to have two. Now, yeah. I got to say, I used this- to be that guy, too. I was with you, but now that I've had a few examples, they just seem to be getting better. I, I had yeah. Brian Hunts over at Moonlight was really good. Oh, I yeah, Brian that. did a great one. I, you know, it, it, it's, it's, here again, it's a learning curve for people. We kind of started doing it. Uh, you know, we were the first uh, to do it. Uh, that's all a great story in itself, how that came to be. But, uh, you know, we've, had, we've been a little bit ahead of the curve on it. Um, and so uh, we've had some good experience. And some of the year, I think the first year I did it, uh, we did maybe 80 barrels. Okay. Uh, and so served it in the pub only. And, you know, but I think, you know, like with anything, you know, it's trial and error. And you only get one shot a year. So, uh, you know, you, it's, it's, it's a long learning curve. Let me put it that way. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> kind of like a, it's like a wine learning curve, really. You get that yeah, you know, you get shot. a harvest and, and you make the beer and then you're drinking it and go, and, well, shoot, you know, next year or how you want to play around and change things or maybe play with the ratio of uh, if you're if you're fortunate enough to use different hop varieties in the beer, uh, which is really difficult, um, uh, then you can play around with those ratios and play with uh, the flavor and aroma profile. Does Sierra Nevada use hop extracts at all? Have you tried that? No, uh, we're uh, we're 100% whole cone hops. Uh, we don't use any pellets even. We don't use any pellets, any extracts, any downstream products whatsoever. A uh, whole cone the whole time. So uh, that Why is gives that? us. Uh, it's uh, it's our uh, philosophical history, and we do feel that the quality of uh, the aroma that we're looking for uh, is best derived from uh, whole cone hops. Okay, all right, oh, Steve, and that gives oh. us some uh, that gives us some really serious challenges. I mean, storage uh, is an issue. Uh, you know, stability. We spend. You know, we have a lot of our. I have. Uh, quarter bales or half bales mylar wrapped and nitrogen purged uh, so that I can maintain my aroma uh, going into the year. Uh, you know, pellets can be stabilized uh, so the, uh, the volatile oils are a little bit more inert. But when you go through the pelletizing process, and that's gotten much better over the years uh, for sure uh, with uh, liquid nitrogen and whatnot and cooling down the equipment. But, uh, you know, anytime you get the hops up to an elevated temperature, once they've been kilned, uh, you do have a tendency to uh, break down and oxidize those volatile oils. And so, uh, you know, for our dry hopping and everything in our kettle additions, it's, uh, it's all whole hops. Okay. Uh, Steve, on, the, uh, on a wet hop beer, do you do a 60-minute addition, or do you delay that? To... Uh, I do, uh, in, in, say, a 75-minute boil, I'll do a 30, about okay. a 60, uh, and then a huge one uh, right at the end. You know, I'll put in an addition uh, and boil it in, um, and then so, and then I'll put in another addition right when I shut the kettle off, and just uh, stir it in, and so it's almost uh, right post boil, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the big challenges uh, with the amount of hops is just getting them into, you know, down into the liquid, because <laughs> right. uh, they, you know, they don't want to do that. Uh, 
And so we kind of beat them in with a stick. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's it. So just by letting them soak, we do a very, very slow kettle strike. Um, in, the, in the older brew house, originally, it was a two-vessel be- two brewing system, so it was a mash kettle. So we're fortunate that it has a mash paddle in the bottom. And so as we're doing that mm-hmm. kettle strike, we stir constantly. And as we get down in, it, it kind of thrashes the hops into it a little bit. Uh, we go just really very, very slow so that uh, the the wart has a, an opportunity to just permeate into that wet cone. Mm. And that's one of the biggest challenges uh, with wet hop beers is uh, getting getting the wart into the oil and, and vice versa, you know, so that right. you get a transfer. And it just takes some patience and a little bit of manual agitation for folks out there that are going to maybe try this um, on home on home system. Keep your spoon handy, huh? Yeah. We try oh, to yeah, manually agitate JP once a show. <laughs> it works. Yeah. What, what about uh, absorption rates? Like, what do you what do you see for that? Oh, you lose some liquid, but you know what the hell, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the beer comes. Good first. answer. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's 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 you when you're doing a beer like those, uh, you know, you you want to, you know, obviously you want to get uh, get the yield, but it's 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 inefficient. I mean, uh, that's it. Just goes with the territory. That's part of the assumption when when I set up the brewing program for one, and uh, and you you just have an assumed amount of loss. Of, oh well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever thrown hops in a say a blender or a food processor and tried that, or you know what would the no, effects would be? Uh, or you know, we played around at one point. Uh, we had. Uh, uh, something that you would maybe uh, grind herbs in, you know, for a vegetative herb thing. And we looked at, you know, doing something like that, uh, and it just wasn't, you know, it was, just, it was a pain in the ass. But how long does it take to grind up 900 pounds of yeah. hops? Yeah, we didn't go that far. We, I think after <laughs> about 10, we figured, you know, no no, no going with this. So. <laughs> well, they have that really strong blender that they put iPhones and shit in. You've seen that, right? Yeah. 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 Blend. <laughs> the blend tech. Yeah. No, we're good. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Too, uh, too much work. Right. They are nice blenders, though. Yeah, they do look good. Yeah. Okay, yeah. let's talk a little bit about sustainability in you guys. Sure. Because, and, and the reason I'm, I'm really harping on this is because it's so impressive, the amount of things that, that you have done at your brewery. Mm-hmm. I've kind of broken it down into four categories. You could probably sure. correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like we're talking about energy, uh, water, mm-hmm. recycling, and recovery. Are, yep. uh, are the kind That's of four- a good place to start, yeah. Okay. So let's start with energy because it sounds mm-hmm. like you've been doing that for a long time to, to really try to produce your own energy there at the brewery. Yeah, you know, Ken really started. You know, here again, this goes back to uh, an individual's personal philosophy and, and bring it in into a, a business setting. And, you know, the brewery's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big facility and uh, it has a big impact on a community and on resources. And we wanted to make that as positive as possible. You know, uh, Ken uh, is a small footprint kind of guy. So am I. You know, I've been recycling, you know, for 30 years and, you know, uh, and, and doing the things that, you know, that you, they're right. That's the right thing to do. Right. And so uh, six, seven years ago, we really started getting into, uh, into the energy aspect of it. And uh, we now have uh, combined with the fuel cells that we have, I mean, those, that's a 1.2 megawatt facility that's here on site. Okay. Those were install, installed in 2005. Uh, those combined with the solar panels that we've done, uh, everything here that you can possibly put a solar panel on has one on it. 
uh, covered parking, warehousing, uh, everything. And we've got just under 1,100 panels, excuse me, 11,000 panels here wow. at the brewery. It's one of the, one of the largest uh, privately owned solar panel counts in the country. Now, look, and we're look, doing a warehouse expansion this year, and so that'll bring us up uh, almost to 10,700. Let me ask so you it, this about the solar, yeah. and, and you might yeah. not have specifics, and that's okay, sure. but as far as I understand, solar panels are one of the most expensive ways to, to generate energy. Uh, do you guys have a prediction of how long it's going to take you to actually get your investment back on those? Yeah, you know, when, when we did that, uh, you know, there's some, uh, we got some tax benefit, obviously, and yeah, through yeah. the state government, you get some rebate type things. And so we were looking at a five to seven year return on investment. Oh, that's not bad. Not I bad. thought it would be that's much worse. Yeah, Twenty five you know, years in, or something. That's what I no, thought. That's, the, the panels will last that long, but you know, there again, I, I mean, it's you know, Ken felt it was the right thing to do. Yeah, sure. You know, yeah, he's a, he's an astute businessman, but uh, you know, if the return on investment was seven to ten, he would have done it anyway. Okay. You know, if it were, you know, so we're here for the long haul. Yeah. Um, you know, it when when the pan between the two uh, the fuel cells and the solar panels during their peak power outputs uh, we produce over we produce more power than we can actually use wow and so as that averages out over the course of the year uh, we produce just under last year we averaged 85 percent of our own electrical needs all uh, on-site in-house uh, generation and that's, that's truly amazing. phenomenal it is here again when uh, when you think you know this is what about the seventh largest brewery in the united states I yeah mean, uh, that that's uh, that's an incredible thing to do. You know, we've got solar panels on our rail spur. We've got, you know, solar panels on our child care facility. I mean, you know, it's, on our it's, children. It's, on our children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was say, yeah. You know, and so as as we expand, uh, we just continue to do that. Um, you know, going back uh, to the cost of the panels. You know, over the course of the year, the the more installs that we did, unfortunately with the way the state pays out their rebates, you know, the more you do, the less they want to pay you for it. I see. Uh, and so as we did uh, one installation to the next, uh, the ROI on those installations got longer. Okay. But there again, I mean, we're in for, we're in for the long haul. Uh, it's the right thing to do, and so we just continue to do it. So, Well, at what point will, will you uh, be able to generate the 1.21 gigawatts it would take to actually go back in time? Right. <laughs> the real question here. Yeah. yeah, we need one of those capacitor things, you know. Well, yeah, I have a design have... for it. It's kind of revolutionary. <laughs> I don't want to give it too much away, but... Um, and what year yeah. would you go back to? Yeah. Get your no, poodle I don't, I don't know. I'd, I'd shoot, but maybe I'd go into the future. I would, no, I would never want to go into the future. I'll well, break no, that. come no, on, because Steve. Yeah. You're going back to 69. Don't bullshit yeah. us. <laughs> well, if you go into the future, don't bring your girlfriend. <laughs> she'll pass out. <laughs> Right. So, you know, we've done that, but, you know, with with the energy part, I mean, we that's one of the the bigger things, obviously, with uh, the, the solar and the fuel cells, but we've taken that into our transportation systems. Uh, you know, we bought the first uh, Peterbilt hybrid tractor outside of testing. We bought one of those last year, and we used that on our, our local route. Uh, you know, we've got heat and energy recovery wherever we can here at the brewery. You know, we do things, you know, like take the heat off of our boiler stacks and use that back into the system to preheat the water before it actually goes into the boilers. Okay. Uh, and so, uh, you know, there's, there's energy recovery 
throughout the brewery. You know, we put uh, skylights in as much as we can so we can have natural lighting. Uh, we use all efficient uh, light bulb systems and, you know, motion sensors, uh, everything possible. We've even uh, been taking uh, the methane off our wastewater plant, uh, and we bring that back in, and we've reworked our boilers so that we get, instead of buying natural gas for our boilers, uh, we fire our, uh, the bulk of our boiler. Now we're getting better and better with that. Uh, Let's talk about uh, that with, a little. Cause uh, gas off our methane in here. Well, yeah, we want to <laughs> figure out how to recover this stuff, too. My dog alone could probably power yeah. your brewery. I don't want to recover it. I want to get rid of it. Get it as far away from me as possible. Well, and just so that folks understand what Steve means, so you have your own water reclamation uh, plant at the brewery. Yeah, that was one of the things that we did uh, as well, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, we use the, the city municipal system for years and as we grew and you know we obviously want to have a great partnership uh, uh, partnering relationship with the city and in order to take our load off of off of them we put in our own wastewater plant uh, it's a combination aerobic and anaerobic system and you know with everything uh, in in that regard it produces uh, a methane okay and so uh, you know you can just burn that off uh, with a flare, or you can bring it back in and burn it as a, as a fuel source. Yes. And so uh, we've been working uh, very diligently, particularly over the last year, 18 months, uh, to get that uh, the usage of uh, our methane output as great as possible. And as we've done that, and of course as the brewery's grown, we're looking at actually expanding uh, the anaerobic portion of our of our wastewater plant uh, for two reasons. One, simply because of uh, need with additional growth within the brewery, but also, uh, secondly, you know, we played around with uh, just getting it larger and feeding it. You know, we have a lot of spent yeast and a lot of spent grain and whatnot uh, that comes out, and particularly with the yeast, uh, if we're looking at just basically instead of sending all that off for cattle feed, uh, using it here at the brewery as an energy source. Okay. And so, uh, you know, uh, if you could, if we could somehow get in balance where we could produce you know, enough gas uh, to fire our boilers, that would be the ideal. Uh, whether or not we can get into that level of balance, I don't know. We've got other people smarter at that than I working on that within the company. Mm. Uh, but that's that would be an incredible goal. That would be impressive. Yeah. It would seem to me that your facility is kind of a a research facility for this sort of things. Do you have universities in there studying what you're we doing? We do. You know, we've worked. Uh, we've we have folks from Davis. Their sustainability group has been in, uh, of course, uh, Chico State, and then we were Ken was working and funding uh, with a group, I believe, up in uh, Reno, and they were looking at doing uh, recyclable plastics uh, out of starch, and uh, and so they were looking at actually using. Uh, our our effluent, our brew house effluent, which would be, I think, a lot in regards to yeast, uh, and using that to make plastics. You know, we like beer cups, for instance, or or spoons. Uh, there are some patents on that in regards to uh, corn starches. Okay. Uh, and they were trying to get around those a little bit because those are pretty much locked up. But they were going to try and get, do something more in regards to barley. I see. And so, yeah, we have people coming in and looking at our facility all the time. Uh, you know, both uh, from an academic point of view, but then also other breweries, you know, that uh, that are doing either an expansion, uh, a, new, a new facility, whatever it may be. And we like to be very, very helpful in that regard because uh, it, it's good for everybody 
Yeah. You know, and if you do this when uh, uh, right on your green site, right when you start up your facility, it's a hell of a lot easier than going back and doing it on a retrofit. And yeah, you know, uh, European industry uh, and you know the German brewing, uh, they've been they've been doing things with water and and whatnot uh, for years. And so uh, you know, just because uh, the the cost of energy is so much more. Um, expensive yeah uh and so uh you know yeah we're we're saving a good amount of money but uh for us it's truly the right thing to do okay now let's talk about uh water because an interesting number that i read uh is that you were able to cut your water use by half is that right yeah you know we went we went over that um just this last week and uh we are down now uh what was stated in our meeting we did a presentation uh national sales force meeting last week, and we're down to a three-to-one water-to-beer usage. Hmm. And uh, we were running six to seven uh, to one. And, so, and what's the, what's the do you know, the national average for breweries? I, I'm thinking, you know, an industry standard, uh, and it depends on your operation. Uh, I'm thinking more like in a five-to-six okay. or maybe a five-to-one ratio, and it depends on your operation. There are some yeah. certain pieces of equipment in larger breweries that are just incredibly water-intensive pasteurizers and whatnot, for instance. Hmm. I see. Uh, and we don't, we don't obviously don't pasteurize, but... It's basically just been um, by doing as much water recovery as we possibly can um, and reworking, you know, heat exchangers so that we can move water from one place to another. And it's just diligence on everybody's part wow. um, to uh, to make sure that, you know, we've redone our programs for uh, tank cleaning and water and rinsing of vessels. We went to... Uh, a dry lube system on our bottle shop conveyors over the course of the last year Ouch. that saved a phenomenal amount of water. Okay. Uh, and now what we're in the process of doing is getting permitting so that we can use our wastewater. It's a, it's a clear water effluent. You know, we basically go into the, excuse me, the, the system just on a flow rate, but we're getting permitting and we've had the testing done so that we can use uh, that water, uh, recover that, and use that for irrigation here at the brewery, both in our organic garden um, and with our hop field. Now, so we'll be using that water rather than just pulling from the aquifer. Does this, do these water, uh, you know, saving methods end up costing you money? Do we pay for this in a bottle of beer, or does it save you money because you're saving? It, it water? saves us money in the long run. I, I mean, see. there again, it's there's a return on investment there, okay. and it's the same. You know, when Ken wants to put in whatever it costs for a new solar array, you know, we don't go through a price hike. That's okay. all part of uh, of doing business, uh, and that's factored into the cost of doing business. And so, um, no, I mean it's it, 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 it's a savings. It's a long term savings for right. us from a, from a business point of view, but also from an environmental point of view. Well, well and as a consumer, it's still one of the cheapest craft six packs on the shelf, right? Well, it's, yeah. it's no yeah. higher than any other beer on the shelf. Yeah, yeah. I assume your economies of scale are that's where you're getting your money to do your you know your the really nice things that you're doing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you know, and we've been resistant. You know, there's been a lot of uh, pricing fluctuation uh, in our raw materials over the last three years. I mean, you know, the, everything's gone up. You know, uh, hops went through the roof a couple years ago. Mm. Uh, barley prices is fluctuating depending on everything that's going on. And then you have issues with high energy and glass and cardboard. <laughs> and, you know, uh, all beers over the course, of, all breweries, excuse me, over the course of the last couple of years have taken in some price hiking to accommodate that, but I mean, you, you know, you, you got to be sensitive to your your consumer, 
I mean, at the end of the day, they're the ones that are paying your bills. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to price yourself to the point where uh, you're pricing yourself out of the market. Exactly. Uh, there's, a, there's a fairness factor there. And, and here at Sierra Nevada, when we want to make uh, facility or, or production uh, improvements that we deem you know, yeah, there again, that ROI, I mean, that's, that's, our, that's our part of the business. You're not going to feel the hit for those types of things. You'll, you know, whenever there, if there's a price increase, you're looking at it because of fluctuation, you know, increased costs of just what it takes to make that package of beer and get it out there to you. Right. Uh, I, I'm kind of intrigued about your water treatment uh, from, you know, mm -hmm. from the start to the finish. Uh, obviously, you know, when I'm brewing beer, I'm, I'm using a lot of water. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm using uh, I use an RO system, so mm -hmm. I, you know that's not getting me a lot of. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm pumping more water out than I'm than I'm getting on that right, one. Right. Wasteful heat, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I can. So, um, yeah. but, but with you guys, with how much water you use, and uh, you know, you obviously you're taking the heat out of the water that you're you're using and reusing that. But yeah. when when you're talking about your uh, water facility what are you doing with that um is it and and how far are you taking that you mean with the chemistry of the water uh well no they're they're uh treating their water so uh. they can dump it somewhere safely obviously yeah you know if you if, you know i'm not uh that's it's not a chemistry that i'm real good with but you know you go through uh, an aerobic digester and settling ponds you know and then it's basically there's microbials in there that just break things down and of course we're talking about just the brewery effluent. There, you know, there, there's two waste streams out. You know, you've got your domestic waste from, you know, the restaurant and whatnot. Right. Um, and, and this is just all, you know, process water. So are you... Are you uh, and, you know, the, and the loading on that, it's mainly, you know, there's some solids. You know, we screen out the solids and they go to, uh, to green waste, uh, to composting. And so it's mainly water treatment, you know, uh, some, some, ye lot, some yeast goes through there. Uh, beer, of course, obviously goes through there, you know, that goes out in either uh, yeast or beer to the floor and, and whatnot, and then some of uh, the malt particulate. And, you know, with residence time, those are just broken down, and uh, what's left settles is a sludge, and then the clear liquid that's on top is what goes out of the facility uh, into uh, into uh, the wastewater stream, you know, um, and it's basically the same, you know, most large municipalities uh, here in Chico, that's a, they have a large, uh, uh, I think it's 100% aerobic, yeah. you know, where it's settling pond. Yeah, I, well, you know, I, and so then they skim off the top. Think, and, you know, by having the anaerobic part, it just uh, increases the throughput. No, I think what I was getting at is why you're doing it. Are you just trying to take the load off of the municipality, uh, not, oh, not, sure. not, not overload them? Uh, yeah. or, or is it or is it for reclamation so you can use it for something else? Well, you know, we 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 did it for the the first reasons you stated. I mean, we wanted, you know, we definitely were looking to take some of the load off of the city system. Hmm. There is a financial uh, incentive there as well. Yeah. You know, if you're going to be paying for putting that through their system, they're processing it, and obviously they're going to charge you for it. Uh, once you put the facility in place, obviously then there is a monetary savings. You know, then you have the facility in place, and then you want to start thinking, okay, what can I do uh, with this system to get the best benefit from it? So you've got yeah. uh, you've got uh, a wastewater treatment plant that is putting out gas that can be used as a fuel source, and it's putting out water, uh, it's putting out liquid that you can use uh, as uh, a non-potable water source. 
And so uh, we can use that for uh, landscape. And, you know, with our agricultural uh, stuff that we're doing here on site, I mean, that all of a sudden, you know, it's a, that's, a, that's an automatic. Yeah. I'm thinking uh, company showers. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yes. Just kind yeah, of help, help everyone take yeah. the burden off their own home water source. Group kind of company showers. Yeah, I mean, because yeah, sure. You know, if you're thinking, yeah, you're thinking about, you know, we irrigate here on site between uh, the garden and the hops. You know, you're looking at 11, you know, 11 plus acres. Yeah. That takes a lot of water, lot of water yeah. usage. And so, uh, you know, why pull it out of the ground when we're actually putting water back into the ground so to speak right uh from our facility so but obviously uh, you need a permit for that yeah we've done all the permitting on it uh and we've changed you know our caustics over here within the brewery uh instead of using a sodium chloride uh uh, uh excuse me uh, sodium hydroxide for our caustics we've switched to a potassium hydroxide mm-hmm. In our chemical base, so that we're not salting back into the soil, it's a lot easier on that over a course of time, and so uh, we're not going to have a lot of sodium. It's good, so that'll work real well. So we had to do some upstream changes within our process to enhance that, but um, I think it's going to be a fantastic thing. Well, it sounds like you're doing what a lot of the the cities are doing anyway. They're uh, they take yeah. the effluent the off the top, and then they yeah. they have a settling pond. They dry out the sludge. A lot sure. of them burn the sludge after that, too. So that might be yeah, you know, something you want to do. What we've been able to do with the size of our plant, you know, uh, we've actually uh, sold some of the sludge off uh, to uh, start-up wastewater plants. Um, you know, if you're doing an expansion, you need more sludge. If, uh, if your wastewater plants go, if it goes into uh, an imbalance, uh, you know, if you overload it, for instance, you, yeah. can, uh, you can harm the health of the, the bacteria. And so, you know, there's kind of a, a sludge trade out there, I guess you could say. <laughs> Black market sludge, yes. Sir. Interesting. Dude, can you, can, so, can you give me uh, some we've, sludge? We've, yeah, yeah we've, we've bought and sold sludge here, and so uh, <laughs> that, work, that works out really well also. Well, it's live sludge. I have my medical yeah, sludge, sludge permit. Yeah, there you, there you go. I guess I'm really healthy sludge out back. It's very mad back door. Let's <laughs> make a stout call that. Now, uh, okay, so the other uh, part of your sustainability that I wanted to address, and you've mentioned part of it a couple of times, um, is is kind of your transport and the and the vehicles that you use. One yeah. thing that you've mentioned, and you just went over quickly, but I, I was really impressed by it. You actually built a rail station that you yeah. own, that Sierra Nevada owns, so that you can receive because your grain comes from Canada. Yeah, the, all of our pale malt comes out of Canada, and. You know, we'd been trucking it in, and, and we'd been looking at this for uh, uh, actually quite a few years, and it was just basically uh, an issue of, of size. Okay. And so, uh, you know, once we were bringing in enough that we could switch over to uh, a rail car system, uh, <clears throat> that only made sense. And, and we saved hundreds of thousands of dollars on, on uh, fuel cost you know to for trucking and it's amazing yeah, there again i mean it goes back to uh we do get a savings but uh you know we're taking those trucks off the road um and it's it's just a, a better way to transport you know on any given week here at the brewery i'll bring in close to uh, a million pounds of malt on a week um, wow yeah on a weekly basis uh, and so you know we we originally uh, leased a rail spur about 10 miles out of town okay. and that got us up and going and and while we did that uh, we looked around for some uh, properly zoned property uh, as close to the brewery as we could and we were actually able to purchase uh, uh, some acreage that i mentioned earlier that's just 2 miles from the brewery 
and it was, you know, it's tough. I mean, you got to get it uh, close to UP and you, uh, the rail company, and you have to do negotiation with them and have the spur put in. And, you know, going through the zoning and the work with them, it took us uh, about a year, year and a half to get the spur up and running. Okay. And we've been running it now for uh, the last year. And so uh, uh, it's been great. Uh, you know, rail is just a more cost-effective way to transport given that you have that opportunity. Yeah. So we bring in, uh, we, we bring in uh, the raw material that way. And then the other thing that we've been really doing um, aggressively over the last a couple years uh, is shipping as much as we can via rail okay. uh, with intermodal. I mean, one of the additional costs that Ken insists on within uh, the product shipping is that we ship everything refrigerated. Okay. And so... You know, so we don't ship on rail car. We it's a it's a box on a flatbed, a and so we basically yeah, it's a it's a reefer, uh, and that adds a lot of cost. You know, particularly getting beer to the East Coast, uh, but it's a quality thing that uh, that we just won't go away from. And you know, when fuel costs got so high uh, a couple three years ago, a couple years ago, it was actually costing us about four dollars per case. Uh, to ship beer into the southeast wow. at certain times during the year, uh, particularly in the summers when you're competing with produce and whatnot going out uh, for reefer. And, you know, uh, that's, a, that's a cost that you can't obviously turn over uh, to the consumer. You know, you're just that's working into your profitability. And so that's got us really aggressive, aggressive working with uh, intermodal groups. And so we'll ship by rail to... Um, uh, a master distribution center, and then we'll truck from there, and we get uh, considerable fuel savings that way. Now, if I'm Ken or, or even Steve, because it's it's his beer, mm-hmm. isn't it? Then you're retiring. I what am. What are you doing here? I am pissed <laughs> if, when I see some of these, uh, you know, <laughs> a big box uh, beer stores and things like that putting my Sierra Nevada that I just paid four dollars yeah, a case a to floor. ship cold out in a hot yeah. warehouse or out on the floor. Like that's got to drive you nuts after going through it, all that. It really does. You know, um, you know, refrigerated warehousing has gotten really difficult, even from a distribution point of view. You know, uh, you know, uh, Coors always uh, in the past they uh, refrigerated uh, coal or stored coal, and AB had some really high standards. And as things have changed uh, over the years, and in, uh, in a, you know, a lot of beer goes through a lot of distributors, and they used to, you know, the big guys used to kind of drive the bus on temperature control and whatnot. Yeah. And uh, that's been very difficult. Uh, you know, we try to maintain refrigeration all through the, trans- uh, the transport and marketing of the beer and, and do the best we can. You know, uh, at certain stores, you know, the big box stores, I mean, we'll go through Costco uh, because their throughput is so fast. But, yeah. you know, some of uh, the of big bottle format more. stores where they sit on the shelf, uh, we, we just try to stay away from those as, as an outlet. Oh, I see. Um, you know, some states, it's what you know, you, you get what you get. You yeah. know, some states, it's more of a government-run entity, uh, and, yeah. and you know, they just they put the case right on the floor. There's some in the coal box, but there's a floor stack sitting next to it by the window. The government. And um, you cringe, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, we can only do the best we can. Uh, and then, of course, with our, mar- our sales guys out there, uh, it's up to them then to make sure that uh, the 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 places don't overstock and overorder and have the beer sit elongated, elongated periods of time. We oh, want yeah. to move it through some a situation like that as quick as we can. Well, I, I think we appreciate it that you know if it's a thirty day turnaround from the time you ship it till the time someone's drinking it. If you can hold, handle 
20 days of that cold. cold. Yeah. Yeah. Or 25 oh, you know, days of that cold. That's, yeah. that's a big plus. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we've studied that a lot here in our R&D facility and uh, temperature profiling and, uh, yeah, you know, temperature development with time and with temperature. The warmer the temperature, I mean, it is truly logarithmic how quicker, yes. how much quicker the beer ages uh, with temperature. And so uh, it's it's um, it's something that we we do the best we can with, and it, it does cost us a considerable amount of money. Oh, and I just want to point out back to the to the rail too, and you can get this. I encourage you guys uh, listening at home if you're interested in this sort of thing. The SierraNevada.com site is is really informative and and lists mm-hmm. out a lot of the things we're talking about. And you can read right here that uh, their rail car. So they take their shipments of grain from Canada, like Steve was saying. One rail car holds three and a half to four truckloads of, of raw materials right. in one car. Easily, so yeah. Not Easily. only is it more fuel efficient being pulled by the single uh, engine in the train, but it, he's getting three to four truckloads at a time. and yeah, that's It's a lot just yeah. and impressive. I bring in, I'll bring in uh, a typical week, I'll bring in upwards of 15 to 18 truckloads of malt. Okay. So when you wow. start looking at that uh, over deal. the course of the year, the the fuel savings is incredible. Right. Well, you're doing so much there. Uh, we're we're getting a little short on time. I wanted to do some more beer talk with you too. Uh, yeah. But like I said, go to SierraNevada.com and you can search on uh, just click on our environment and you can really read about every detail that they're doing over there to save water, to create their own energy. It sounds like you're you're really close to your goal of being a hundred percent. Um, reliable on your own, uh, reliant on your own energy. That is, that is the ultimate goal. You know, uh, we can get a little bit more electrical uh, and, and gas uh, savings here. You know, the water, the water is always going to be what, it, but it is. But you know, and then from a recycling, you mentioned that. You know, last year uh, we recycled ninety eight percent of everything that came out of the brewery. <laughs> Um, and so, and we're shooting for a hundred percent there. You know, I'm looking at some notes I've gotten. I think it's actually closer to ninety nine percent. One of the things that we actually have coming in, it's on the water right now that's really cool, I'll mention uh, quickly, is a large-sized composter. And so everything that currently, you know, would go to the landfill from our restaurant, we're going to start composting on site. And this is a large uh, a large drum-type composter that Ken, uh, he bought it out of, New- out of New Zealand, I believe is where they fabricated it. Uh, and it'll, it'll churn out compost like crazy. Wow. And so we'll be able to use that in our hop field, in our garden, uh, maybe, you know, work in conjunction with other groups and, and distribute that. But, uh, so we're, we're working to get more and more out of that. We've got two, uh, people on staff, two sustainability coordinators, and they've worked incredibly hard and diligently on, on programs here within the brewery to, uh, to get as much out of the system as possible and either yeah. uh, reuse or recycle. So it's awesome. Well, if I may be so bold, uh, Steve, I could just give you a, a tip uh, once you get the uh, <laughs> yeah. the kind of energy thing. And I can't go too far into it, but um, 88 miles an hour. Is that the way? Okay. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> you take that however you want. Go with it. you there. I'll go with that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so go to the site and and check it out. It's just to me, it's impressive to see a historically wasteful uh, industry do so well at, at trying to recover. So um, I, I thank you guys for it. I appreciate yeah. it. Um, hey, thank you so much. I appreciate it as well. I mean, you know, the solar thing is incredible. We did, uh, you know, uh, Sun Power was one of the first people that came in and did the solar install, and Ken did uh, a thing for employees in conjunction with them 
where not only with the state rebate and the tax credits, but uh, he did a, a private so much uh, per kilowatt with your install, you know, between the two of them, cash out of pocket. Oh, wow. as an additional rebate. Wow. And, you know, uh, it's something that I had looked at doing for years, and so uh, this last year in March, I've got solar on my house. Nice. And uh, and so, you know, my payback is in that classic, you know, seven-year estimate. Uh, it's something that, you know, I wanted to do. It's the right thing to do, but, you know, can kind of put, there again, you put your money out there uh, for your the people that work for you, and uh, and I took advantage of it right away, and it's been absolutely awesome. There's nothing like going out to the side of the house and watching your meter spin backwards. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, living there. You know, I would do that, yeah, too. That's yeah. it to the man. Yeah. Where I live, I've been trying for years to try to reclaim the cancer that Mother Refinery is putting in the air and make energy out of it. But it's not... You burn the tumors. It's not working. Yeah, yeah is that how hey, I, You know, uh, one other just real uh, blurb on sustainability, sure. you know, that's a little bit different from what you see on the website, and... And it, it's one that kind of uh, we I'm proud of here at the brewery, and that's uh, the human uh, sustainability aspect uh, of, of the brewery. And a couple of the things that Ken's done over the last few years, I mean, we have uh, just off to the side of the property across the street, we have a health clinic that uh, is staffed for structured hours during the week uh, by uh, nurse practitioners. Wow. Uh, and it's open free of charge to not only uh, full-time employees but part-time employees from the restaurants and their families. And so you can go over there, you know, if you're a part-time weight person and you've got a kid with a cold, uh, you can go over there and get checked out free of charge. Wow. They can write a prescription for That's you. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, things of that nature. Uh, we, uh, we've just uh, a year now or so ago, we put in, it's a different business entity for obvious reasons. We've got on-site child care uh, for people that, uh, that is uh, for, for brewery personnel. Um, you know, it's it's an, it's an incredible place, and those are the things that keep people truly invigorated in their jobs and, and yeah. want to stay here. Uh, and those are things that you know, uh, there again, it's not a, it's, it, it is a business thing, but you know, we're talking about all these energy type things and an ROI. I mean, what is the perceived ROI on having a health clinic for your staff and family? Right. Uh, Low turnover. You know, we. Yeah, you know, it, it, it gives people, you know, I, I'm, I'm incredibly proud of those programs. I mean, we've got a, a you can sign up here in-house, uh, you get a break from your work, and you get an in-house massage. I mean, so what the hell? Seriously? You know, so, uh, uh, yeah, what? seriously. Okay, uh, Sierra Nevada <laughs> slash applications, jobapplications.com. Beer and a massage, Lord. awesome. We should yeah. move up there and broadcast <laughs> from Sierra Nevada. Yes. And then, you know, just to, that's why I was gone in July. Last year, uh, the brewery put in uh, a policy so that if you've got 15 years of tenure here, yeah. uh, Ken gives you an additional one month off during the course of a oh, year uh, for you to pick. It's got to be taken four weeks continuously. Uh, and so uh, I finally had an opportunity, you know, after, you know, I was, uh, and so uh, I had the month of July off paid, uh, uh, in conjunction, it's, it doesn't. It didn't come out of my vacation. It was an absolute additional. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that people. Ken's birth name is actually Jesus. I think it's <laughs> Jesus Grossman over there. He's well, a good uh, dude. That was one of the great yeah. experiences of my life. I don't think I've had a month off with nothing to do since I was 14. Yeah, so. right. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. I don't oh, think I'll ever What get happened that. when you were 13? That's weird. <laughs> I started working. Oh. <laughs> hey, Steve, I've heard you You guys have a cure for a hangover, too. Is this true? I hear it's kind of uh, like an industry secret. It's called it's not drinking from you guys. 
It's like a well, leader you know, of I, unhop word or something or no, I said if there's oh. one out there, I gotta find it because I'm <laughs> oh, okay. waking up sick in the morning. <laughs> right, because I am a. Drinker. Where did you hear that? Chad? Uh, you know, I heard it from a couple of brewers around the uh, area. I think Lagunitas uh, in particular, and they said, you know, some of the brewers at Sierra Nevada go around telling people that you drink like two liters of unhop wort, you know, uh, ten plato or above, not two too liter, high, two liters of water, two, two liters. liters of water, like it's a lot, Good or, Lord. It was something like that, and that that'll cure I don't everything. That in a week. <laughs> yeah, what it is is the water. You know, it is. Uh, you know, when uh, at Particularly at the original brewery, I mean, uh, you, you know, it was uh, you could get in and out of the or have access to the vessel so easily. And uh, boy, there's nothing uh, like a real nice uh, coffee cup full of uh, first runnings wort in the morning to really get you going. I nice. mean, you got some great sugars. <laughs> yeah, you got some vitamins going. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially if you're making a dark beer. I mean, first runnings porter wort is just that'll just get you smoking in no time. The original and, uh, Red Bull. Yeah, yeah. You usually really after a night of drinking, I'm I'm making a dark beer anyway. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the rumors out there about Sierra Nevada brewers because they're just particularly tough individuals. <laughs> <laughs> I see. That's where it starts. Cool. We're not allowed to have hangovers. You just have to grunt it out. <laughs> Scott, did you have anything before the break? You, you look. I well, I I want to know if uh, if we can when we go, you know, set up our live broadcast over at Sierra Nevada. <laughs> yeah, uh, if yeah. we can ride around on the. Willy Wonka esque um, roaming bar. Oh yeah, what's up with know? the? What is that thing? It's a uh, you know, it's it's a beer bar. It's a twelve person bicycle. That's a that's a bar. That is great. And uh, a friend uh, of Ken's made it. Ken brought him a photograph from some nineteen sixties magazine or some shit, and uh, said, "Build me one of these." And this guy nice. is an incredibly talented individual. He used to. Uh, he was one of the first people in the United States to uh, build uh, real high-end trick uh, mountain bike frames. He had a company called Mountain Goat uh, <laughs> Mountain Bikes, and uh, he's now doing uh, tools for glass blowers. Okay, uh, real fun stuff. But he built this this bicycle. Uh, you sit six to a side on a bar facing inside, uh, and there's a there's a bartender there, and it ha- it holds uh, two different kegs of beer, yeah. and you pedal facing internally, but uh, it's got, uh, he scrapped a, a three-speed transmission out of a BMW from the scrapyard yeah. and put in the transaxle, and so the driver faces forward, That's so it's got awesome. three forward speeds and a reverse. It's really pretty cool. Genius. I'm going to oh. write to Ken and oh. ask if Doc and I can take it to Burning Man with us. <laughs> you know, it was, I want to build one. <laughs> the guy, the guy that built it, uh, that built it, is actually going to Burning Man. I know he's trying to get his absinthe stash together uh, this last week. <laughs> oh, oh, we can trade. We need his address. Uh, you need to send me his email, Steve. We need to find him on yeah, the playa. Definitely, because I, I will. You know, I've got. Uh, I will. I'll make a note of that, and perfect. I'll send you. His name is Jeff Lindsay, and I'll send you his email address. And, oh, perfect. Uh, he is an absolute kick. He's, he's a good friend and a great guy. <laughs> oh, that'll be fun, Doc. You just Doc just wants to pick his brain for plans now. I can see oh, it in his oh eyes. Oh, my God. I just oh God, want to yeah. build it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's a lot of fun. Let me do this. Another quick break. I promised Steve I'd get him out of here by 7.30, and I'm going to stick to that. Um, we're going to take a break and come back and just talk a little more beer, uh, because we do have some more Sierra Nevada beer questions for you. Beer. Uh, awesome. Plus, I've got I'll a whole bunch of... i come up with some answers. Okay, good. I've got a whole <laughs> bunch of listener questions in front of me for you, and cool. I promised my listeners I'd try to eke a, a beer recipe out of you, too. Sure, I got a couple in my head. Sweet. Actually, wouldn't that be great if we just ended it now? Yeah. We had Sierra Nevada on and didn't talk about beer or recipes or anything. People would kick me in the nuts when they saw me. (laughs) All right, it's the session with Steve Dressler from Sierra Nevada. We're going to take a quick break. Hang in there. We'll be right back. Great, I'm drinking. (laughs) 
listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Whether I'm making me dry stout or rebuilding me kegs, I head to the heart of dear Dublin for me homebrewing supplies. You head all the way back to Emerald Isle just for a wee batch of grain or a bit of keg tubing? No, you moronic waste of liver. Dublin, California. I go to HopTech. For 30 years, HopTech in Dublin, California has been supplying homebrewers with malt extract, fresh grains, hops, spices and sugars, hop oils and extracts, and much more. HopTech is one of the first homebrew supply shops on the internet and is proud to offer a Award-winning beer kits, both online and in their store, where they offer a 10% discount to all AHA members. The store is open every day except Wednesday or shop online at hoptech.com anytime. Hoptech is run by passionate, award-winning brewers who live, love, and travel for beer and bring their experience to the store for you. If you don't want to visit Dublin, just call toll-free 800-379-4677 or go to hoptech.com. Visit Hoptech today in Dublin, California and at hoptech.com. Organic ingredients. Fresh, clean, good for you, good for the planet. Seven Bridges has the best selection of organic ingredients, including over 27 varieties of organic hops at breworganic.com. Join their mailing list for special deals and regular updates. They've been brewing organic and serving organic brewers for 13 years. They can help you brew great organic beer. And Seven Bridges is the proud host of the fourth annual National Organic Brewing Challenge, the only BJCP-sanctioned nationwide brewing competition just for organic beers. Take the challenge this fall for a chance to win great prizes, including stainless steel brew kettles and organic brewing ingredients. This year, the challenge will be judged in two locations, on the East Coast at Capital City Brewing in Arlington, Virginia, and on the West Coast at Gordon Biersch in San Jose, California. For complete details, visit breworganic.com slash competition. Seven Bridges is cooperatively owned in awesome Santa Cruz, California. Everyone there is dedicated to great beer and people-friendly business practices. They offer environmentally friendly, fair trade, and fair wage brewing products whenever possible. Seven Bridges, breworganic.com. Downtown Joe's, located in the historic Oberon Building in beautiful downtown Napa, California, offers an award-winning brew pub experience from 8.30 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. For 15 years at the corner of 2nd and Main, Downtown Joe's has been voted Best Night Spot seven times and Best Brew Pub for the last four years in a row. Brewmaster Colin Kaminsky's handcrafted ales, like his Tailwagon Amber Ale and Double Secret Probation IPA, are the perfect accent to riverside dining, live music, and a relaxing outdoor patio. Don't miss the Beer of the Month, Special Rotating Taps, and the BN Army Member Special. Wear your BN gear, get 10% off your beer. Visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations, peruse their extensive calendar of events, or just read more about their fantastic beers. Come enjoy the fine beer, food, and music. Downtown Joe's, the award-winning brew pub where you'll feel at home. When you hear Blickman Engineering, think innovation, passion, quality, and customer service. Blickman Gear is designed by brewers to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the intuitive beer gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The Auto Sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. 
with more cutting-edge equipment coming soon. Keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. Wait till you can pour it out of your own kegerator. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, your friends will look at you with awe. And, and it's stuff. just hot. It is? It's so super hot. <laughs> the home of live beer radio. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. Welcome back to the program. Still talking with Steve Dressler from Sierra Nevada. And in front of me, I've got a couple different Sierra Nevada beers. One of them is a favorite of mine every single summer. It's the easiest drinking summer beer that I can find around. It's got good, uh, bold flavor, even though it's a yellow beer. And that is the Sierra Nevada Summerfest, Steve. I love that beer. It's such a damn good beer. Yeah, you know, we uh, we started doing uh, loggers, uh, some some loggering when we moved over uh, here in, in the early '90s, and we did a pale bock first, and then we wanted to do uh, you know a nice, a really nice traditional style pilsner, and so it's it is it's 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 got some great body to it, you know, it runs up in the 30 beer BU range, so it's not real timid. Uh, but great uh, blend of, uh, of European hops, some nice uh, European Pilsner malt in it. And, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a great beer here uh, in Chico, particularly when you're in that 95 to 105 range. Oh, yeah. Same here in, in Pacheco. Yeah, we got the same deal going uh, on. It's, yeah. it, it's a beautiful beer. So You drive around rocking the honeys. What? What this beer brings up for me is, so there's so many different styles of beer that Sierra makes. But mm-hmm. the Sierra Nevada house flavor, which is a good flavor, is so yeah. prevalent across all the beers, more than I think any brewery that, I, that I'm a fan of. Does your house flavor really stick out across okay, thank you. every beer? And I'm curious about how that happens. Yeah, especially with all the different styles. Yeah. Because you, well, know, you I know, know a Sierra um, Nevada from a mile away. I can just tell. And well, yeah, I notice it more in the hoppier beers in terms of the... Okay. The, the, well, what I'm getting is the... Uh, Enhanced mouthfeel, just a just a, a volume is uh, mouthfeel that you get uh, when you drink the beer. So, I you see. know the pale ale, the, yeah. the IPA, the 
torpedo. And so well, you know, you got, you know, obviously, you know, specific to the ales, we're using the same strain of yeast in there. And sure. uh, it's, it's a yeast that, uh, you know, we originally got uh, from Siebel uh, when the brewery started. And the uh, Siebel Institute is in Chicago. They had a yeast library there. You know, during one of the breaks, um, I heard an ad- advertisement for uh, White Labs. Uh, Chris White is a good friend of mine. Uh, he's got a strain of, I said, some people call it California ale yeast. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, there's a 1056 used to be out there, I think, something like that. Yep. Uh, and, you know, uh, people have cultured the the yeast out of the bottle. Uh, but we use the same uh, yeast strain, and we use the same fermentation profile with uh, just about all of our ales. And so you're getting a lot of consistency and house character from that. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, going back, we talked earlier in the program about whole hops. Uh, you know, when you that aromatic and, and the quality and the complexity of the aromatic, uh, the hop aroma in it, I, I think that truly comes from the use of whole cone hops and also a blend of different hops in that aromatic profile. Uh, pale ale, of course, is just totally front-loaded with cascades. I mean, that's that's what you're getting. But you get into Celebration Ale. You get into the new Torpedo IPA. I'm about to do uh, that. You know, that's a phenomenal blend of hops. I kind of came up with that one off the seat of my pants. Uh, nobody, they thought I was crazy when I wanted to put Citra and Crystal and Magnum together in a dry hopping profile. Uh, it worked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I have not, I don't think I've ever heard of Magnum as a dry hopper. No, you know, but there again, I got, you go back to those little simple things. I rubbed them, you know, and they're oily as all hell. You know, uh, we have the ability to and fractionate the oil profile uh, with our uh, gas chromatographs here at the brewery. We could Ooh. tell about anything. And, <laughs> you know, but you rub them and you get that aromatic and, you know, you kind of put them all together. And I thought, well, what the hell, you know, uh, yeah, there's a lot to offer in that hop. I, I love crystal. You know, you get that really nice citrus lemongrass type of note from it. You put that with the earthy uh, magnum kind of aromas, and then you throw in a hint of that citra, which is just an oil bomb when it comes to a hop. A lot of passion fruit, tropical fruit type notes in there, and you get torpedoes. So uh, that beer drinks like nothing I've ever had. I mean, it's just got... It changes as you're drinking it. You know, the the, air, the aromas come out in layers, and it changes with the temperature in the glass, and... Uh, that beer's a hell of a lot of fun. Now, I got to tell you, I think I've said this before on the show. I want to remind my listeners. There is something about listening to the brewmaster talk about the beer that you're yeah. drinking. And it just it enhances to me the flavor, the experience. Everything. It's, it's probably one of the best parts about my job that I get to do this. And you folks at home, you should re- if you're not doing it already, you should rewind and drink a torpedo listening to Steve talk well, about I, it. I just learn some stuff that I'm going to be looking for next time I'm next time you drinking a torpedo. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to look yeah. for the, the flavor changes in the temperature and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, just it's a lovely beer. It is a nice beer. I, I had a question come through from a listener about yeah. this beer. Let me let me find that for you. Uh, let's see. Kim wants to know if, if, if Steve talks about torpedo, can you talk about the balance between wet hops and, uh, well, she says pellets, but it would be whole hops, I guess, dry, uh, yeah. dry whole hops, and what you use for bittering in addition to, to citra is her question. Okay. The, in that beer, uh, the bittering hop is magnum. And then uh, towards the end of the boil, it's a combination. Uh, there's some magnum in the middle and then uh, magnum and crystal at the end, heavy on the crystal. Uh, when the, the citra is only used in the post-fermentation, and 
uh, one of the things that we developed here, you know, uh, with dry hopping, and the reason that beer is actually called Torpedo is because we designed a, a post-fermentation vessel that we dubbed the Torpedo, where we actually, it's a, a secondary tank to the fermenter, and we pack it with hops. It's purged with CO2 uh, so we don't oxidize the beer. And then the beer is slowly circulated from the fermenter out through this tank of hops. Uh, yeah, for a number of days, uh, and we get the hop oil extract that way, as opposed to traditional dry hopping, where you just kind of steep it. The hops mm-hmm. like a tea bag. Um, yeah. Much more efficient, uh, much more uh, better extraction of the oils, and you know, so the uh, the crystal and the magnum and the citra are layered into this torpedo, and then the beer is slowly circulated through that hop bed. Uh, so to speak, uh, and that's where that comes in. Um, and so, and, and you know, for, for uh, let's see, if you if you're talking a 200 barrel tank of torpedo, I'm using less than 10 pounds of citra post fermentation for wow. dry hopping on that. That, bit, that that hop here again, it is an absolute bomb when it comes to oil. It's one of uh, analytically. It's one of the uh, highest oil hops that we've ever analyzed of anything that's out there. Uh, and depending on the amounts that you use it, uh, you can get all sorts of different aroma. You know, if you use it lightly, you can get those tropical fruit-type notes. Uh, if you use it very uh, heavily, you can really push the bar, uh, get that grapefruit note uh, that you get from, say, a Chinook. And if you push it even farther than that, you're almost up there with a, a, a real powerful uh, hop like a Simcoe. So uh, it's got some great versatile uses for it. It's uh, it's it's been a very exciting hop over the one of the most exciting hops in the last couple three years. It's a pretty badass hop. I I don't know that I've had a bad Citra beer yet. No, it's a, it's a, it, and it's a, here again. It's a lot of fun. I mean, you know, I love Cascades. We're a huge user of Cascades, and you know, you, you're going to get some great uh, citrus and piney notes from that hop. Uh, but, you know, some of these other aroma varieties, here again, there's, there's a little bit uh, with uh, heavier amounts of oil, higher percentages of oil, you can, you can play around with them uh, a little bit differently. So it, it's an exciting hop out there. The citrus sounds like it's uh, pretty versatile. Uh, it is. Uh, you know, you could, use it, you could use it for bittering. Uh, it's a great aroma hop. It's a great uh, dry hop, you know, if you're doing a steep, some kind of a soak in your fermenter. Uh, it, it, you can use it anywhere along in there. I just, so, I just uh, like you, you know changing. There's a lot of parameters you can change to it. Where a lot of these yeah. apps are like one trick ponies. Oh, yeah. That's all yeah, they, they are. They just what they do. Hey, use this, you'll yeah. get that, and, and, and great. That. But yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's a, you know I would encourage people out there. You know if you can get some, you know uh, play around with it. There's like you said, there's a lot of stuff to be had from it. Now, another question that came through about the torpedo, uh, one of your consumers says, uh, will torpedo ever be in 12 packs uh, or bigger than the six? It's my favorite beer that I can get at the grocery store. So wants to know. Yeah, you know, we've had discussion on that internally, uh, and I would say yes within, if it's not in this year, within the next, I'm, I'm sure we'll be releasing that in, in a 12-pack box. Nice. So once you mention uh, that, the next staff meeting <laughs> yeah. it's a big plus a brewing network recommendation yes. is torpedo yeah. in a 12 I swear yeah. I saw it in a 12 pack Steve oh, sure it's not yeah. a... have you? Yeah, I think you know, safe we're also going to look at doing uh-huh. a little bit more expansion next year with that in a draft format as well oh beautiful oh, that'll be great now, yeah. do you do? Are, are there a lot of beers that we can find on draft at, at pubs that we will not find in a bottle 
Or is that you not... know not not as much as it used to be? Uh, okay. You know, we've really tried to pare that back. Some of uh, some of the one-off batches that I would do, uh, you know, so a little bit more of the limited runs we used to do uh, out in uh, in the pub setting, and um, and we're trying to uh, pair up those, you know, more with our seasonal program or with our specialty beers. Uh, and so we're looking at doing a little bit more draft out there with uh, the torpedo. We've talked about doing a little bit more with the Keller Weiss. Uh, that's a nice one because it is so different from any of our other offerings. Um, and uh, you know, if you if you really want to have a, a taster set uh, like no other, I think on the planet, uh, if you have a chance to come to the brewery, I mean, 16 uh, tastes. Um, and you know it's a it's a phenomenal uh, little set of little beers. I have heard it's the best tasting in in brewery tours at Sierra Nevada. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, if if you can't find a flavor uh, that you like on that uh, on that flavor, Matt, uh, you well, don't like beer. You're you're pitiful. I mean, just, <laughs> why are you in my restaurant? Yeah. What are you doing There's here? just really something the matter with <laughs> you. I like your answer better. You're pitiful. <laughs> that should be a T-shirt you sell in the tasting room. By the way. Yeah, uh, that should be. Yeah, if you don't like when here, you're pitiful. That's, yeah, Y O U R. You're pitiful. You keep mentioning Magnum. Is that U.S. Magnum or German Magnum? Uh, both. You know, I diversified my contract there uh, so that I could get the best quality depending on the agronomics. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I blend them. Uh, uh, a couple years ago, the German Magnums were just out of this world. Uh, last year's crop, uh, they had some weather issues towards the end. They had some wet weather. Uh, and so uh, they had a little bit more of an earthy note uh, than I wanted, and so you know then I'll go more in the direction of the U.S. But I blend them back and forth. Okay. Uh, but it's you know I like to diversify my points of purchase so that I can cherry pick the best from wherever. Well, what, what and when you... you're a whole hop user, uh, I only get to buy hops once during the year. Hmm. You know after harvest, uh, for people that don't know it, you know if you don't buy whole hops, then they're all processed. And so, uh, you know, if I come find that I come up short with something six months down the road, you know, I'll be doing hop selection the uh, uh, first, second week of September. Uh, and if I don't take care of business, uh, you know, four or five months later, there aren't any whole hops available out there or minimum qualities at all, then I'm just basically SOL. What do you find the difference in the U.S. versus the German Magnum? Uh, well, I find it, uh, it, it, here it depends. Uh, sometimes uh, in, in the aroma... Um, and, you know, sometimes the German ones, like I said two years ago, they were outstanding. Very, very spicy notes. Uh, very nice. With the wet weather uh, last year, they they had a very slight little bit of mustiness to it. Um, and so, you know, what I said is earthy. Uh, and the aroma just wasn't as bright. Uh, these are things, you know, when you've got a handful of them side by side. You yeah. know, it's, a, it's an interpretive kind of thing. Uh, you know, when you're looking at the raw material, uh, it, it it comes through in, in the finished product, obviously. Well, I guess and what so I'm getting at is, um, if I had the best of both worlds, and, uh-huh. and I'm choosing one over the other, what what are the significant differences? I would go with the U.S. Uh, you know, U.S. hops tend to be, you know, there's a little there's a little bit better refrigeration in the process in the states. A little bit more, uh, a little better care and handling per se. And here again, I'm not denigrating anybody over yeah. overseas that's doing it. They they do phenomenal uh, hops over there. Uh, but I think the oil percentage in in the U.S. is a little bit better at times. Uh, I get a little bit more of a, of a citrusy floral note from the U.S. Magnum. 
Um, you know, so uh, it's but there again, it's 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 a, it's an agricultural product, and things change from year to year. So uh, for me, you know, um, I, I I I cover ass, so to speak. So I make sure that I'm going to have whatever I need. Dressler is wrong. Magnum is pure from Germany. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, well, you know, we're as home brewers, we're going to have a choice of one or the other a lot of times. Sure, uh, you are. And and, you there's going to be significant differences in the, in the two. Uh, one's more spicy. One's you know more earthy, yeah. like you said. Uh, yeah. I guess what I'm getting at, which what's what? Uh, which part? Which oh, one is you, more spicy? Which yeah. one is more? Uh, yeah. They're, they're, they, yeah. They call them the same thing, but they're two different dogs. Yeah, you know, uh, going back to the tumbler, for instance, you know, uh, that's a, a golden challenger uh, blend of hops. And, uh, you know, over the last couple of years, I've moved more from uh, U.K. hops to U.S. hops. Uh, mm-hmm. They're growing uh, Goldings and Challenger up in, uh, in Washington State now. Um, I just find the brightness of, of the aroma better, uh, the, the year-to-year consistency of the hops is better, uh, you know, so I've just moved into more of a U.S. You know, as, uh, you know, I really started getting into Magnum from a purchase point with Torpedo, and, um, you know, I couldn't buy enough uh, U.S. Magnum originally. It's kind of a specialty hop. Uh, uh, you know, we bought Magnums years ago. I think I, I was buying one to 2,000 pounds a year just to keep the farmer putting them in the ground. Wow. Um, and as, you know, as we fell more in love with that hop, uh, that's one of the reasons I wanted to feature it in Torpedo. Uh, and then, you know, you get, a, you get a growth. I mean, our growth in Torpedo this year over last is 85%. So that's where you look at uh, diversified points of purchase to make sure that you get the commodity that you need. Right. Um, given you know, given the opportunity, you know, if I if I had my choice uh, in the long run here and, and working with uh, uh, with my suppliers and and with farmers, you know, uh, we may go 100 uh, percent U.S. But uh, that's uh, that's a Got couple of years in the future. Yeah. I, All right. I remember when when Magnum hit the homebrewing world; it was yeah. it hit by storm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well. It, because all the high alphas were gone, and people were pissed. Yeah. Homebrewers yeah. were pissed. And it, it, this was a nice high alpha. It, was, yeah, it, it wasn't it a harsh one. It's, it's neutral. Yeah. It's great, yeah. but everyone's like, when are you going to get rid of uh, Magnum in your kits? And it's such a horrible... It, have you even tried it? Yeah. yeah. Really? It's it, clean. Yeah, yeah. because clean. that was really the, the yeah. only high alpha hop with within, I don't know, 5%. Yeah, out there for homebrewers. Yeah, you know, and if they, if for people that are homebrewing, you know, we've done this in the pilot plant. We've actually done uh, uh, beers uh, where we just use a hundred percent of a different hop in the aroma, and you know, Magnum makes a surprisingly nice aroma hop. <laughs> you know, so uh, if you want, if you've got some yeah. and you want to dick around at home, I would do it. Uh, do it as a an aroma hop, or at least part of the aroma hop, and uh, and see what you get. It's 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 got a very nice aroma, great flavor, you know. And for a bittering, like you said, it's got uh, it's got one of the cleanest bitter qualities. It's phenomenally yeah. low in uh, cohumulone. Yes, it is. And Take- so you don't get a real harsh bitter that you get in some of the other uh, hops. No, I'd love to see that it's good. You know, uh, mainstream. Yeah, almost now. Tasty's our, our hop guy. I can see his <laughs> wheels turning about this aroma hop now. Yeah, I've never uh-huh. I've never yeah. used it. I've never seen it used in a recipe. So uh, yeah. I'll give that a try. Now, yeah, play with it. You know, nothing ventured, nothing lost sure. or gained. Right.
That's my philosophy, by the way. Steve, yeah. Steve just took Don't that. venture. Okay, um, last question, because <laughs> yeah. I promise I'll let you go, and then a recipe. Um, sure. But, uh, you know, Tasty was doing some research before the show, and a listener also asked about it. Um, it. Is it true that you guys are about to work on a beer with some Trappist monks up above Chico yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, you know, I was going to try and send you that promo, and uh, I didn't get in here early enough. Yeah, you know, we had this great... Uh, thing happened um, uh, over the course of this last year, and just north of town here in Chico, uh, there is a Trappist Abbey uh, and uh, up in the little town of Vina, and uh, these gentlemen are in the, they're, you know, they're true, uh, they're, they're true uh, monks, and, uh, and so they take oaths and everything, and I haven't, I haven't been up there, so when I was gone on my sabbatical, uh, some of the folks from the brewery went up, but, you know, they, uh, they were interested in doing um, uh, they're, uh, they, it's a very long story, but they're in the process of putting together uh, a chapter house. The stones uh, were first put together uh, in the 1100s. And uh, so they were looking at a way to try and get some money to help with this, uh, getting this facility back together. Okay. And so they kind of first approached Ken and the brewery about, you know, maybe a charitable donation. And during the course of the conversation, uh, things uh, went the direction they were, and we're actually going to do a, a three uh, beer series in collaboration with them. Uh, we're going to do a series of Abbey Ales uh, next year. Awesome. Uh, we'll do, I think we're going to start off the first one with a, a double uh, and then do a Saison in the summer months and then finish up uh, the end of the year with a, a really nice quad, uh, perhaps doing some wood aging uh, part mm. of that or, you know, whatever. So. That'll be one of my creative challenges for next year. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, they are, yeah, that's going to dictate a, a trip to Belgium here within the next <laughs> yeah. couple of yeah, months. Yeah, so you know. Oh. How the hell I can pull that one off? So, well, just listen. walk around in the house in that that brown robe with the hood <laughs> yeah. all the time. Get your special haircut. That's all research, you know. Yeah, yeah. but this is going to be from what I've never. I haven't been had the privilege of meeting these gentlemen yet. I, I understand they're wonderful gentlemen. I, I think it's going to be uh, an incredible thrill. It's going to be a, it's going to be a treat and a privilege to work with these guys. Beautiful. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Okay, yeah, I am too. So. How about a recipe for my listeners? How about a recipe? Uh, you know, I had some stuff in front of me, and, you know, given the time of year and uh, given I know a lot of people, I've gotten questions about this particular beer uh, for quite a bit, but Celebration Ale. You know, uh, we're going to start brewing it uh, awesome. in about a month, and I don't know if that's one that fits your mold. Oh, no, yeah. this uh, is awesome. I, in fact, if I remember right, JP, this is one of your favorite seasonals, isn't it? That's my it's my favorite. If it's you all you got, go ahead. It's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah, is cool. Yeah, and it's you know, uh, it's a wonderfully complex beer, but it is a particularly easy recipe. Uh, I think for people that you know, for good for good home brewers that have some flexibility, I think this is one that they can really pull off. Cool. I mean, uh, the grist. It's so uh, there's only two different malts in the grist. You got two row pale, and you got uh, C60 caramel. Okay, and the caramel uh, component is about 11 percent of your total grist. All right. Well, how do you get all okay, that red? Co- how do you get all that red color out of that, Steve? Uh, Gee, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's really good Crystal 60. I think you stu- it, stumped it, the brewer. It's really good C60. You know, uh, I, I like to use uh, English water. Crystal in that if I can. Uh, and, right. you know, uh, but, you know, if you go 11 to 12%, uh, you should be able to get some real nice color in it. Okay. Okay? So that's really pretty easy. And then the hops are also very simple. They're, and they're, and they're, they're relatively, I think, available for home brewers. 
It's Chinook, Centennial, and Cascade. Three C's. Pretty easy. Chinook for bittering, uh, Centennial and Cascade for kind of a mid-range bitter, and then Centennial and Cascade in combination uh, for a final aroma. Okay. okay, and can you give um, us like your target IBUs for those three? Yeah, target yeah. IBUs for that beer uh, about sixty-eight. Okay, and how many uh, of those oh, come from the bittering? Uh, not a lot. I mean, we use so damn many hops at the end that you can't help but get some alpha out of them. Okay, uh, and, I, and you know, I'm going to do this. You guys can write down these uh, ratios, and then you know, because this is going to be in pounds per barrel. Okay, and then you guys can do the math. Sure, I'm not... no. Yeah, problem. so this is a hundred barrel batch. Okay, so for bittering on Chinook, you're looking at 25 pounds. Okay. Okay, and when you get into that mid-range edition, you're looking at about 20 pounds of Centennial and 40 of Cascade. All right. And since we're very simplistic people here again, you just repeat that for your last edition. And is that like a flame-out edition? Or? Yeah, that's your flame-out edition. Okay. So, you know, one, you got your bittering edition that you boil in well, and you got one just towards the end of oil. Boil it in for maybe that 10 to 15 minutes. Okay. And the last one is, like you pointed, that's very appropriate as a flame-out edition. Okay. Okay. And then you got some dry hopping going on. Um, and so uh, the dry hops here, again, pretty simple. It's a blend of a Cascade and Centennial. And the ratio, again, there is two to one. Okay. And uh, it's about half a pound per barrel. Okay. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, you can take those amounts, scale them down, oh, yeah. uh, you know, and you're going to be playing in ounces per gallon. Yeah. And uh, should be able to come up with something really pretty yummy. And then, of course, this is the Cal Ale yeast strain that yes, we would use. Yeah, definitely, if you have the opportunity, definitely get that yeast. Okay. Um, and your fermentation profile is going to be between 62 and 68. <clears throat> what is the... Uh, that's a big range. That's What's big your range. ideal number? What's oh, I'm sorry. You started 62 and ferment up to 68. Oh, I understand. Okay. Got oh, it. Yeah, oh. yeah. So you want to you pitch in at 62 or so, let it ferment up, and then plateau at 68. You know, you're looking at an OG, I'm thinking, a uh, pumping OG of maybe around 16.5. Okay. 16 to 16.5. And then, uh, you know, depending on how you're mashing and you want to dry it out, I don't want that beer too dry because it's got a pretty good BU load. If you can finish it up, 3.8. Okay. You know, any, you know, you'll be fine if you finish up anywhere from 3.5 to 4. All right. Nice. Now, Tasty, yeah. you're all giggles over there. Had you gotten this clone right already? Yeah, yeah. what I'm doing is pretty really, really close, especially on the gravities and the hops, for sure. You yeah, know. you know, it's, uh, I just it's, a, it's a lovely beer. Yeah, and it's, great. But it's not, you know, it's not, a, it's not one that's got a lot of ingredients that people yeah. aren't going to be able to get. You know, these are kind of, these are good off-the-shelf homebrew, yeah. you know, and shoot with web-based homebrew shops and stuff now, uh, you know, compared to when I was using, uh, getting whatever I could and packets yeah. of dried yeast. Things are a hell of a lot better. Yeah, but this yeah. is stuff that most people anywhere can come across. Oh, yeah, this is all common. Yeah, we got the same palette yeah. you got now. And what's the yeah. mash, mash temp you were shooting for? Uh, the mash temp, um, let's see, we do basically single temperature infusion. Shoot for something in the 156 range. Oh. Hey, oh, guys go pretty high. Well, that's how you get all that yeah, mouthfeel in that yeah, beer, right? Yeah, and, yeah that's how you get that mouthfeel at the end. The GU yeah. to BU ratio. He, he said you don't want to finish out too low because of all, all the, the IBUs. No, you know, that's for me. If you're going to 
for me, the key is, you know, I like to play, obviously, with a lot of hops. And, you know, uh, a, a beer should not be a painful experience at any time. <laughs> and, you know, you, you know, having a, having a thin-bodied beer with 150,000 BUs is not a good drinking experience. And so um, I like to keep everything nice and, and in balance. And so you can play with those hops. I mean, you know, Celebration Ale is an incredibly nice drinking beer. And you're looking at something, you know, with uh, 65, 70 BUs and six, oh, 6.5% alcohol. And they go down. Just It's lovely. Oh, it's tremendous. You know, beer. Because, yeah, yeah. yeah, because of the balance and, and, uh, and, and those flavors. So, yeah, um, yeah it's, it's, a, it's a favorite of mine, obviously. And, you know, we're going to start. I'll, I'll be selecting hops for that probably around the 9th, 10th of September. And we will brew immediately after. So um, that's kind of a good one, I thought. Now, well, St- Steve, how would this how would this recipe compare to what say what you were doing in say nineteen ninety nine celebration? Um, really, really pretty close. Very similar, I mean, huh? uh, the the raw materials were the same. You know, early on uh, when I started, uh, Centennial didn't exist, mm-hmm. and so the beer was uh, you know mainly Cascade. We were using something uh, I can't even recall from a bittering hop, but it was very very Cascade focused. And then as uh, Centennial came onto the scene and then Chinook, you know, we started inc- incorporating that into the beer to give it uh, some layers of aroma and, and flavor that you're not going to get uh, from a single variety addition. Um, Centennial came on the scenes, God, I'm thinking uh, late 80s, and it was actually a hop uh, called CFJ-90. <laughs> uh, and there was one year I think I really pissed a lot of people <laughs> off. I bought almost all of them. Uh, and uh, and then it, it came out of the breeding program and was named uh, Centennial. And there was a hop uh, I remember using uh, back then at the same time that was the CFJ-45, and uh, it doesn't exist anymore. And it was uh, it, it nobody picked up on it. Uh, we wanted it really badly, but we didn't have a we weren't of a size enough to support the hop, so to speak, from a marketing point of view. And I recall rubbing that hop next to Centennial, and I liked it even more. Mm-hmm. So God only knows what happened to those genetics, but uh, I don't believe they exist anymore. <laughs> Well, you know what, Steve? You're a badass, and I appreciate you hanging out with us and talking about <laughs> well, thank all this you. You beer. Know, it, it, was a real, it was a real pleasure. Like I said, I would really uh, like the opportunity to do this again with you folks, and you uh, we could it. do something, uh, you know, uh, have some specifics to beer. I, I truly appreciate you wanting to uh, bring our sustainability uh, efforts to the forefront. Uh, I'm, I'm personally proud of what we've done here. Uh, the brewery is one of the greenest companies on the planet that I'm aware of, and uh, thank you so much for... Uh, for bringing that out for people's attention. I appreciate yeah, it. Well, you're welcome. It's real important to me and JP, right, JP? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I agree. Uh, it's, you, guys have, you guys have done a lot from, you know, your, your, uh, your power reclamation to uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, the mountains turning blue on your bottles. <laughs> You guys no, are really yeah. <laughs> wrong company. No, yeah. Oh, that's, that's nuclear powered. Yeah. Oh, oh wrong right. mountain range. Right. What wrong about that window. Yeah. Wrong mountain range. All right. And I Sorry. do want to point out that, that JP did not get in a single Al Gore joke in the whole. Uh, I know, right? Oh, in the whole well, interview. And all that means is we'll have to do this again then. Well, yeah. here's my plan, Steve. Uh, we're going to yeah. come up in my pop top to the brewery and hang out okay. with you there. And there then we'll book a show so that you can come down and hang out with us. That's my plan. There you go. You know, and uh, what I will throw out there, too, you know, we are in the process of uh, scheduling our beer camps uh, for 2011. Okay. And I believe there's 26 or 28 camps this year. Wow. And uh, wow. I'm going to talk to, I might have a little bit of pull with some of the organizers of that. Uh, okay. Thing. 
<laughs> and I'm going to see if I can't get a couple of spots in one of the camps for you folks. Oh, that would be and, cool. Uh, and we'll see if we can't get you up here and uh, show you around the brewery a little bit and uh, have you make your own beer. That'd be pretty badass. Like we said, we yeah. did have two of our guys uh, here, Tasty and Doc, both had golden passes. But I'll bring my golden ticket. They didn't get the golden yeah. pass. Doc couldn't get the golden pass from his wife. Is was the- <laughs> <laughs> Well, it sounds like they already had a chance. Now it's our turn. Yeah, well, you know, they, they they, if they had right. the chance, I, I suggest that you just uh, yeah. you take it. See? Hey, yeah. I'm the boss. I can do this. Yeah, I, yeah, I, haven't, I haven't used the F word yet on the show, but I might now. Just tell them to off, you know? <laughs> That's a boy. We like that. It's Justin's only chance. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. All right, brother. This was a pleasure, and I appreciate it. We will have you back on the show. Hey, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, it was a pleasure for me as well, and uh, it was a very nice offer. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Anytime, and just uh, another plug for Sierra 2, heads up, uh, if you're going to the Great American Beer Festival on Thursday night, they will be celebrating their 30th anniversary. We're doing a whole panel there in the Brewer's Pavilion. I do yeah. believe Steve and Ken will be there. Um, uh-huh. And Ken I'll will be-, be serving all of uh, the Sierra anniversary beers, I'm hoping. And then I do have someone lined up for your Friday uh, Sweet. cast. Uh, we'll get someone lined up to talk about sustainability for you. Perfect. Oh, I'll cool. be moderating the 30th anniversary, so I get to. Be- I'm excited to be a part of it. Nice. Uh, so oh, you're going to have a blast with that. Those beer, the, the last one that came out, uh, the black barley wine. Uh, with uh, conjunction with New Albion, uh, oh yeah, with Jack McAuliffe, it's a bomb. Beautiful. All right, yeah. so come yeah. see us on Thursday night at the GABF. Go to SeattleNevada.com, and uh, Steve, we'll see you in a couple weeks, man. Sweet. Hey, great. Thank you so much. All right, brother. Thanks, Cheers. Uh, bye. There you go. Steve Dressler from Sierra Nevada deserves a round of applause. And uh, the recipe for celebration ale. Yeah. How about that? You know, I'm glad it, that it just came so freely and easily. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That was a That's piece of cake. Should. No arm twisting. All right. With that uh, celebration ale recipe, you know, uh, he gave it to us in his 100 barrel batch. And this is kind of how we do things to make it easy on the brewers. But what you can do at home is download Beersmith. You can go to Beersmith.com, which is the program I use when I'm homebrewing now. Not that that's a fantastic plug for the poor bastards at Beersmith, that I'm the one who uses it all the time yeah, you blow the dust off that but i am the techie in the room and i'm telling you that the that this program is just fantastic you can get a free download it's a two-week trial over at beersmith.com you can punch in this uh celebration recipe that uh, steve just gave us and you'll be able to actually scale it down and like he said you know the, these scales uh, are they're uh, not they're not linear is, um, it, is it easy for you oh it's easy for me which uh, makes it which good. means which means it's like very user <laughs> which means doc just has to stare at it and it does things <laughs> That's how good this program Computer is. Computer on. Yeah. yeah. But uh, you can really design world-class beers at home. You can make your brewing day easier by designing a recipe in just a few minutes. You can scale this recipe we just got down. You can also pick from nearly 100 styles um, and recipes included in the style guide. Um, there's features for every brewer from beginner to advanced. Just go to beersmith.com. Download your, oh, actually, it's a 21-day trial version, plus video tutorials over at beersmith.com. You know that other program that everyone's like, how the fuck do I use this? I had to do a whole show where Doc trained me how to use the other program way back in the day. Well, you can go watch the video tutorials at beersmith.com and learn how to use this program quickly and easily. All right, so go to beersmith.com and do that now. Hey, Justin, real quick. Does Beersmith scale up as well, like uh, five yes. the barrel size? Yes. yes. Okay. It'll scale in both directions. And really, I just... Do you say it goes both ways? It, you know what the cool thing about Beersmith is? It goes Ooh. both ways. And you know what? They're not ashamed to say it. 
Isn't <laughs> like that right? Some other people in this Isn't room. Isn't that right, Brad? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so go check. You know what? I encourage, Anyone who has questions in the chat about it, I'm telling you, 21-day free trial. Do yep. a couple batches. Just You don't even have to do a batch. You know what I used to do uh, is when I first Wait. downloaded uh, my, my first brewing software, I just kind of sat around at night making recipes and dicking around with it. I know fucking Chad does it, too, still. No, it's like, not that weird. It's like brewers, <laughs> it's like brewers porn uh, when you first get it, because it's just yeah, fun. Right. You can kind of play with the numbers and see how things are going to work out, and it's just cool, so get so, your trial. So, Chad, 21-day trial thing, how many batches is that? For Chad, that's a, a lot. lot. <laughs> like 42. Not now that he's leaving <laughs> us for the pro world, though. You know what else is like brewers porn? There's no stainless Porn. There. <laughs> porn is also yeah. like brewers porn. It's a good, this is true. It's, you know, uh, Chad, Chad's stainless. going to the the, the uh, commercial world. It's a good thing Beer Smith scales up. That's right. <laughs> he can use it over there. Shat the trader can use it in his brew hey. house, too. Well, you can't be Shat the producer anymore. Yeah. Shat the uh, trader. It's a really big step down. <laughs> to shat the trader. Shat the loser. You can <laughs> can you, it just be Shat the bed? Uh, <laughs> and then that way... <laughs> You can still be Shat the announcements guy. Shat the wetter. Shat the Shat the, the Brewing guy. Network liaison. Because you're no, still helping you, us with booking and ideas. Can I have my own commercial? Yes. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're, yeah. His own announcer guy. I'll give you. Your, I'm going to build your site uh, this week. ShatTheTrader.com. Let me do the read though. It's going to be pic- it's going to be all filled with sightings of Shat at <laughs> professional breweries and no longer homebrewing. It's going to be pictures of the rust building on our homebrew system here <laughs> at home. High fiving just pro brewers. <laughs> That'll be oh, that's hey, are you homebrew? Oh fuck off! <laughs> No. Somebody go build the Shat the Trader Facebook page right now, <laughs> and let's see how many fans we can get on there. All right, let's take a quick break. We got some cool stuff to do when we come back. Uh, Scott, the producer. Yeah. Whoa, what? I'm producing ah. up a storm. <laughs> now, he's got a new game for us that uh, we're actually going to compete against each other here in the room. It's going to be fun. Chat, you're in on this, too. Close JP's, on, close off. Guess what I'm... It's not... I don't number. think it's as good as guess JP's number. It doesn't have anything to do with me. But it's good. And the winner of the game, uh, we'll probably get a caller on the line, too. We'll have a listener play, and we'll all play for somebody in the chat room. We'll give away some Belgian candy sugar for that. Ooh. Also, I have to do our um, feedback. I didn't do that at the beginning. Game and and I think that's sugar, it. Candy. I think that's all we have to do, right? And then we can get so. out of here. What? All right. Yeah. All right. Oh, we got Drunk of the Week, too. Oh, oh of course. Uh, Scott, you can start taking... Drunk no, don't week. take Drunk of the Week calls. We'll take a caller. Next caller gets to play the play game with us. Just, okay. tell, just tell them to buck up for it. Hang in there. It's a session. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Brewcasters. The Brewcasters. On The Brewing Network. in the making. The best beer chef on planet Earth blows your mind and takes you on a food and beer journey like no other. Really fun recipe. We took that beer and made it into salt and pepper prawns, and then we marinated it in that beer, so it gave all the pepper flavors and also accentuated the sweetness of the prawns. From cooking Russian imperial stout truffles to amazing food and beer pairing. I made a simple ice cream base, and then with that base, I added in hops, a hop infusion in 100 proof vodka, Mm -hmm. and and use that 
not as a vanilla extract. The home-brewed chef will make cooking fun again the way it should be done with beer. Why not make a beer that not only would go great with the dinner, but plan a whole dinner around it? Barley wine prime rib, chocolate stout pudding, doppelbock wild mushroom gravy, garlic IPA brine pork, and that's barely the beginning. Cooking with the beer, pairing with the beer, taste it, and just think about what this is going to be good with. Put some in a sauce, substitute some of your liquid, use beer. Tune in for the home-brewed chef only on the Brewing Network. Hey, Push, the new brewery's looking good. Thanks, Finn. Piece by piece. Well, let's fire up. Whoa! Is that a new kettle? Yeah, just got it brand new, but paid half price. What? And that blade scale? 40% off. The new tap handle? Five bucks instead of 13. Got a new regulator for the brew stand, too, but five bucks instead of 25. Dude, where are you stealing all this stuff from? Where else? The more beer deal of the day. Announcing the Beer, Beer, and More Beer Deal of the Day. Every day, a new fantastic deal from big items to small that will blow you away. Boil kennels, carboy carriers, sterile siphon starters, digital timers. Watch morebeer.com every day for a new deal, and you just might find the item you've been waiting for at a price you cannot believe. Hurry, because stock is limited on most items. And that sweet Guinness cap, let me guess. The The More more Beer beer Deal deal of of the day. Day. Yeah, I knew it. Come on, let's brew something. Find the more beer deal of the day at morebeer.com. Celebrity voices impersonated. What's up, dude? Why the long face? Valentine's Day was awful. The World of Warcraft subscription was a strikeout. Ooh, yeah, I hear ya. A couple of years ago, the new Hoover I got my wife was a bomb, too. But last year, I found playfulevenings.com. What? What's that? You know, Mrs. Badrock's store. It's awesome. Totally tasteful passion toys. Are you serious? Yeah. What's a passion toy? You know, it's a um, central aid in the bedroom. Ooh. All kinds of stuff. Massage oils, couples games, lingerie, and books. Books? Yeah. Where do you think Tickless Pickle came from? Yeah, boy. Seriously. Fun stuff, and Mrs. Badrock takes care of the BN Army with 10% off. Go to PlayfulEvenings.com and click on Shop Online now. Put BN Army in the coupon code. PlayfulEvenings.com Thanks, Mrs. Badrock. You're a lifesaver. BN Army, it's Valentine's Day all year long at PlayfulEvenings.com Do you support the Brewing Network? Do you brew your own? Are you looking for any economical, fun, and legal way to do both? Subscribe to Brew Your Own magazine and do just that. All year long, Brew Your Own will surprise you, entertain you, and educate you with articles on beer and brewing from authors like the Brewing Network's very own Jamel Zalashev and John Palmer. Each issue is a full pint of brewing techniques, homebrew stories, tips and photos, projects to make yourself, and recipes for the avid home brewer. Get your tough questions answered by Mr. Wizard and polish your style accuracy with Jamil. A portion of every subscription goes to the Brewing Network, so subscribe today at byo.com slash brewingnetwork or just click the BYO logo on the Brewing Network homepage and support a fantastic hobby and your favorite broadcaster. Brew your own. The how-to homebrew beer magazine. There's an app on the iPhone for just about everything, including beer, apps for finding a pint of beer, apps that look like you're drinking a pint of beer, and now there's an app for brewing a pint of beer. Introducing BrewPal. 
the most all-inclusive beer brewing app for professionals and hobbyists that fits in your pocket and goes wherever you do. Recipe formulation that can be imported and exported with a customizable database. Mash and sparge calculations, yeast pitching rates, carbonation tables, and more. Available right now for less coin than a pound of grain. See BrewPal in action at brewpal.info and download it for your iPhone at a special introductory price right now. BrewPal, all the brewing software you need right in your pocket. What's funny is Bruce will say, yeah, I don't brew to stop. I'm brewing my own beer. And it's like a German Pilsner, but it's black. Yeah, it's a sports beer. beer. (laughs) The home of live beer radio. TheBrewingNetwork.com Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. You're listening to The Brewing Network. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. All right, we got to go. Let's wrap this up real quick. We got shit to do. I'm busy tonight. The delivery just got here. We got to go. All right, uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to play a new game once the uh, brewcasters sit down here. Is the caller for the game uh, Moscow, or is the caller for Drunk of the Week? Uh, for the game. Okay. We're going to take Drunk of the Week calls after So why don't you, well, I guess we still need Doc to sit his ass down in here so that we can explain to the, him. Uh, you know, that's not what the game is. All right, I'll do feedback. How about that? Uh, let's see. Who is that brought to us by today? Uh, oh, feedback is brought to you today by the 21st Amendment. Oh, the uh, uh, 10th anniversary uh, 21st Amendment, I believe. That's right. I think there's a employee anniversary party down at the 2 and a tonight, as a matter of fact. If you're an employee, you could have gone to that. Uh, uh, you can now get Back in Black IPA in cans. In what? That's right. We just had one cans. Here. And, uh, yeah, we have some in the fridge here, I actually. just had one. That's I like the, the, the Back in Black. Mm-hmm. And the can, it, it just looks awesome. Yeah, it's cool. You know? I think they could actually probably put a shitty beer in there, and people would still buy it. Yeah. It looks so good. But it's not a shitty beer. It's a good beer. Brought to you by the 21st Amendment. Oh, my God. You've got mail. Kick All right. Let's see. Get through this feedback quickly. Hello, BN team. Uh, I've listened to your shows on the importance of good fermentation to make great beer, and it's encouraged me to make a fermentation cupboard. Uh, I followed your suggestions on the Bruce Strong podcast and have gone for a free refrigerator, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It's very long-winded. Excuse me. Uh, you've talked a lot about the importance of reducing lag time and pitching with an appropriate amount of yeast. I've been a big fan of dried yeast. Uh, Dan Star, Nottingham, and Safale, uh, 05. I normally rehydrate the yeast as per the instructions. Um... But I'm finding it usually takes around 8 to 12 hours for fermentation to kick in. Got to use uh, liquid yeast? Yeah. So his question is, if I'm going to keep using dry yeast, <laughs> you should probably start using White Labs liquid yeast. Now, But if you're going to keep using dry yeast, um, do I need to do a starter? Should I do a starter, and will that, will that make the uh, fermentation go better? I don't know. I, I don't think you should worry about it too much. 8 to 12 is not bad. No, it's not really that bad, and... Uh, they say dry yeast has a lot more uh, cells anyway. Yeah. I mean, as long as he's getting down to pitching temp pretty quick, not having to wait an additional 24 hours and then eight hours on top of that. Right. Um, no, 
Because, by the way, it's not really lag time that we talk about as a detriment. It's more just pitching the proper amount of yeast. And and not having it finish out where you want to. Yeah. Uh, That's more more of an issue. Uh, Brew a lager and then call and cry. At least, it, well, the, the, it's going to be like 24, 48 hours before you start seeing something. But, but a lot of people are knocking on 90 degrees and not pitching for 24 hours or something. Yeah. So, so you don't think he needs to do a starter with dry yeast? No. Typically no. not. No. There's so many cells in there. At least uh, rehydrate it. Yeah, okay. He did say he did yeah, that. They, he did, okay, According great. to the instructions, he does rehydrate it. Then 8 to 12, p- put two packs in. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's an extra it, buck. It, yeah, and then that right. way you're not doing a starter. But I would, I mean, I would do a starter. You would do. Yeah. If I only wanted to do one one packet of dry yeast and oh, I really okay. wanted to do it because that's all I could get and I still wanted to make starters, I, yeah, do it. It's or not going to hurt you'd anything. be okay it's- not doing a starter if you did two packs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sure. All right. Fuck it. There, fuck it. Well, fuck it. Right, Scott? Fuck. The whole thing he said, he's a fan of dry yeast. If you want to keep using dry yeast, either don't worry about the right. 8 to 12 hours or he's do a, a starter. Do if a starter. Rehydrate it first, then do a starter. If he wants to be an asshole and keep not supporting our sponsor, White Labs, go ahead. Suck it. <laughs> yep. well, if he's a supporter of dry yeast, he's a supporter of limited selection. Oh, wow. Any other insults you want to throw at the poor bastard? <laughs> yeah, actually, you know what? Uh, you have uh, any trouble opening the package? Yeah. How does, does it bread yeast? How dry? does he get his his yeast when he takes his carriage down to pick up his cupboard? <laughs> he in is... the eighteen fifties, do they have uh, dry yeast or what? Listen, he's from Derbyshire, UK. Oh. Oh. <laughs> like you guys that know where that is. Right By the way, yeah. nobody here could point out Derbyshire on a fucking map if it. it was spelled uh, out. Shire. It just yeah. sounds lame. Middle of the Shires. <laughs> All right, Jim. No, listen. Actually, I've heard a lot of great uh, success stories with dry yeast, so keep at it. Good things about Derbyshire. Yeah, there's a lot of good people that come out of Derbyshire. (laughs) Like Frodo. Like, yeah. (laughs) Doubt the Shire. All right. uh, Let's see. Hey, Jay. um, Derbyshire chicks. (laughs) Oh, here's here's one. Uh, Hey, Jay, I just got my new Hot Vine t-shirt in the mail. It looks great. I also find a little bonus from you. A long, frizzy hair stuck under the shipping label. <laughs> See the attached pick. You did oh, attach. Gross. But this is, a, this is like the second Not or third it. time this has happened. Everybody's looking for that shit now. Hey, Justin. JP's beard. <laughs> Thanks for including that and not the short and curly kind. Uh... uh Justin's losing his hair. I'm not uh, losing my hair. You guys should probably just you know grab a hold of it and sell it on eBay later. Yeah, I should. That's actually it's Walker hair. I looked. It's always black and like like kinked, but longer than a pube. More. It's closer to JP's beard actually than it is a pube. You know, I, I worry pubes? about about my beard because my beard. You know, you kind of move it and it does fall out and, and right. I, lands on counters and I worry that people are going to think it's really my pubes. Especially if it like lands on your keyboard and it someone does. comes to use your keyboard and they're it's like, happened. oh, JP's yeah. been jerking it in the fucking office again. Yeah, or I lean over someone's computer, like show them something yeah. and I look down and there's, and I kind of kind of wipe, wipe, <laughs> wipe it off before they see it. Alright, so that was from uh, Eric. Uh, he's New Englander. He's a PFC Northeast Division and he says, suck it, chipper. <laughs> uh, That's okay. appropriate. Right to the point. Know. Now, here's one from the last show we did with the Whites, guys. Uh, Krezer writes in, You mentioned harvesting yeast from Hogarden, and there was some umming and ahhing. Um, while I do believe that the yeast in the bottle of Hogarden is specifically added at bottling to be swirled and drunk, uh, it's different to the... It's different to the yeast that was used to brew the beer. Therefore, there's no point in harvesting the yeast from that beer Probably, if the intention yeah. is to make a clone just by the correct liquid yeast. So he's sending that as a correction, but 
My I, memory isn't the best memory in the room, but I thought that's exactly what Whitey said. I thought Whitey said he's he offers that yeast through White Labs, and he's not sure that the bottled yeast is the same. Do you guys remember the conversation? Well, first no. off, it's Who Garden. Oh, sorry. Excuse uh, me. Ho. <laughs> Secondly, I think you're right. Actually, I thought Whitey said a different that. bottling yeast. Yeah. So, a lot, a lot, anyway, a lot of breweries do that, and a lot of times they'll use lager yeast yeah. in the uh, for the second pitch be, clean because or? it's clean it'll ferment at a lower temperature so you got to get actually get uh, your fermentation uh, your, your carbonation done right during cellaring or, yeah, yeah during cellaring yeah well, but why would you why would you have to add a different yeast during bottling at such a low gravity beer anyway because typically people will do that with a higher gravity uh, beer right they just want to do it they, that is not any kind of an answer. No, they, Didn't I say I want to go, JP? Maybe it's just. Well, I don't care. Not the time Your to priorities be are not my priorities, okay? <laughs> All right, fine. Why well, ask why? Blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Yet another reason to support my man, Chris White, and just yeah. buy the proper yeast. What are you thinking? That way I don't get yelled at. Besides, his brother is about to have a baby named yeah. Terrence the White. I think oh. was, was what we decided <laughs> on in the end. I think so. I, that's actually the one that Mike White liked the best. Mike White yesterday opening uh, gifts at his baby's shower in front of all of the family. And it's a big family. Uh, so there's like 20, 30 people in the room. Um, starts to explain the root of Terrence the White <laughs> oh, to everybody. I can That's only awesome. imagine. He's like, yeah, so, you know, it's this show that we do. And there's a guy on the show that they call Terrence the Black. And he's black. <laughs> and he's on the show all the time, and a listener writes in, oh, you should name your baby Terrence the White. And, you know, me and Kate are the only ones laughing. Me, Kate, Mike, and Chris are laughing. <laughs> yeah. The rest of the family's just staring at Mike White like he's a moron. Like, oh. I'm sure he uh, gets that a lot. Terrence the White. Terrence, <laughs> Terrence T. White. Yeah. All right. Uh, hey, guys, love the show, especially the puking drunk of the week. That's a good one. I was listening. This is probably for you. <laughs> There it goes. That, that, that so long. Curly this is probably hair for thing. you, Jipper. I was listening no. to the recession brewing show, and I like the discussion of uh, bulk purchasing, which I try to do as much as possible. Right. Uh, especially since I live twenty miles from wherever. No, no, not twenty miles. The real head. Uh, I have a hard time finding cheap bulk grain. My closest homebrew store, which is three and a half hours away, wants sixty-five bucks for a fifty-pound bag of two-row. And the online stores like Northern Brewer and More Beer want about the same once you add shipping. Mm-hmm. Any ideas on how I can get it cheaper? Nope. Move. Uh, it's about right, isn't it? No, we talked yeah. about it tonight. You use a train. <laughs> That's how his homebrewer is going to get it cheaper. Build a train depot. Oh, uh, this train spur. So 65 bucks a bag is about right. Yeah. Ish. Ish. I mean, shit, if he can get it delivered it's to his still, door for a 50-pound bag. 45, 50 bucks off the pound price. They're can he go in with a buddy know. or a few Something buddies like that. close like, by? Get buck a pound, ish, ish. Okay, you know, or or buck fifty a pound. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So no suggestions on cheaper. No. Okay. Shut that was from Seabass, and he says, "P.S. Suck at JP." Well, now I'm glad I didn't answer him because I do know the answer, <laughs> but uh, I'm not going to tell him. There's no answer for you. <laughs> that is the that's the most fifth grade thing you've said tonight. Yeah, well, you know, fall <laughs> right he, in line. Is he yeah. smarter? Uh, let's see. Um, Oh, here is one, a suggestion. I think that the Belgian candy sugar giveaway should include... Um, Belgian candy sugar? It would be enhanced if you played Pour Some Sugar on Me by Def Leppard. Oh. Even uh, better if JP sang falsetto during it. I don't even know what falsetto means. That means that high false... Oh. Is that high? Oh, that's blobber. That's not me. Man. It could be you. It could be, be you. 
the lyrics are about, about to, to give away some dark candy sugar, courtesy of Dark Candy Inc. <laughs> <Eat. laughs> right here on the Brewing Network. Callers to the main phone line. Put your Callers. hands together for Jake. Center Sting. Yeah. Caller number 99.7 gets a win right now. Candy stage five. Candy stage five. <laughs> yeah. Stripper music, isn't it? Stripper music. Yeah. It, I, I, I've just read about it. Yeah, right. Never been there. Nope. <laughs> Saw something on TV about yeah. it. Just read about it. What is your wife listening tonight? Who knows? Uh, let's see. Hey, Justin, I'm a BYO subscriber, but I'm starting to get renewal notices from BYO, and I'd like to renew uh, through the BN because you guys get a cut. I yeah. don't see an option to do that from the banner on the homepage. Any ideas on how to set that up? That's from JD. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if we can do renewals. It's catching up with me now, man. I think uh, we've talked about it before, and I think if you just click through the banner so they can track it, I think you just say It'll renewal automatically renew. in the comment. Yeah, I think it automatically adds on. Just do I'll it. tell you what. Hey. If I feel like doing anything this week, I'll email Brad over at BYU, BYO. And, or BYU. Uh, or BYU. Okay. We'll see what's, see what's up with the Mormon yeah. broads. <laughs> and uh, I'll just ask Just not if, drinking. Sorry about that Prop 8 thing. I'll ask yeah. if you do renewals and try to get back to you. <laughs> Uh, okay, hello, General Asshat and the Ass Haitians, and a special how you doing to JP. I don't Dude, know what I mean. I don't agree. Oh, I don't. How you doing? So, Tour writes, and he says, now don't get me wrong, I love boobies. But ever since my dad died last year from lymphatic leukemia, it's uh, really started to piss me off that the only cancer ever getting exposing uh, because of its sexiness is boob cancer. Why aren't there any beer fundraisers, for instance, for prostate cancer or leukemia or lymphatic cancer or colon cancer or skin there cancer are, yeah. or jaw cancer or cervical cancer? We get the idea, Tor. What are you, feeling depressed today? you got to name every cancer in the Cheers world. He's bit, European. Right? Uh-huh. I admit that the beer for colon cancer doesn't really ring the same way as beer for boobs does. <laughs> uh, but uh, does it really need to have a sexy slogan to have people in the craft beer industry throw money at it? Yeah. Beer um, for balls. No um, pants, Bruce Strong, and all that jazz. I uh, want to point out first, before we comment. Wait, we, we, we do colon cancer. You already have a brown beard. A brown beard? <laughs> Remember the pink? pink oh, that's beard? True. I don't have to dye my beard. That's true. <laughs> I actually do because it's a lot of. Pep- I'll have salt you know, that tour, that the uh, the Brewing Network's sixth anniversary party, which yeah. your immigrant ass was at uh, in Minnesota, was actually a fundraiser a fundraiser for beer for pints for prostates, which six. does have six. a catchy well, name. It's got a ring to it, and it's sexy. Early. So we did give money to pints for prostates. Uh, proceeds went to that for, from the BNA six five. How many five. people I thought it was five. pints for prostates? <laughs> Five. <laughs> that one. Five. Slow down. Uh, we'll do that at six as well. You know, I had my- and I don't. Maybe we'll do one beer for assholes. Yeah, ales for assholes. Ales for yeah. assholes. <laughs> and we'll do one for colon cancer because clearly, at least one of us in this room is going to get ass cancer. Uh, yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> JP, that, that's slow. Ales for assholes. You know, like, it's, it's pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah. That's oh, yeah. <laughs> really good. Or assholes for ale for assholes. <laughs> that's that, that's they the all work group. for me. A real assholes for assholes. Asshole yeah. All right, I had so, an, I had an idea for a, a show for tour, okay, a BN show. Yeah, um, it was it was just for him to talk about how things are going in the Netherlands or Denmark or wherever the fucking where he's from. But we would, we would call it it'd be three hours, and we'd call it a three hour tour. Not bad. What do you think about that? It's where, not where bad. Cricket toy need it. Hmm. Well, it that way <laughs> they're <laughs> migrating, Chad. I, like I wanted to cricket it, but that's not bad. <laughs> it's it a, good. It's yeah. cheesy, yeah. but. Let's Scott the producer. Is that good enough to uh, warrant? Are we a greenlighting laugh, this? A laugh, or is that total shit? Yeah. Well, I uh, mean, you know, you're, you go with the alliteration consistently, which right, is good. Right. 
Uh, I don't know. By good, do you mean like great? No, I mean good. Oh. Let's give it 10 seconds. I, I, yeah, I, I, I think we should uh, throw around some other ideas before we green light the first thing we hear. Mm. You know, I, I forgot approve. one of our... I don't know if he's from the Netherlands or where the fuck he's from. Green you mean like where Peter Pan's from? from Wisconsin. <laughs> but while we're in the feedback section, I had a, a part of a song, a, a, a new Brewing Network song that was written to us. He hasn't finished it, but he sent us the first verse. Um, it's based on Bob Dylan's Subterranean Homesick Blues, which okay. is a great, yeah, a wonderful yeah, song. True. Um, so let's see. Let me play that for you while we're here. Oh, thanks. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Justice in a basement, cleaning up an orange piece on the pavement. Thinking about the gate prints, patrol in the trench coat, flame out late. Up says he's got a stock spot, wants to get some runoff. Sully's here and he's double beer. And dark fears hold and lost ribbon post. Where to do what John says on the Bruce Strong. The crazy caller with a fucked up batch. He wants grapes and metric and not in pound. <laughs> it's not bad. Especially because you can hardly that. understand him, just like Dylan. He <laughs> yeah, sounds just like Dylan. He did a great job. That's with the, pretty the fucking flexion. good, right? Yeah. I could play that bass line at the anniversary show. Well, he wrote it to me <laughs> saying, I'll never finish this song, so here's what I have. And I wrote back, you got to fucking finish yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wants the grain bill and metric. And yeah, that's not angry <laughs> That's awesome. I loved it. All right. That guy uh, speaks the truth. Come on, come on, come on. Another pearl. I got a lot of email about this week, people warning me. Uh, people are always looking out for the BN, and somebody found an interview with Palmer on some YouTube video yes. called Take Some Advice. What the? And uh, every, a bunch of people were writing me like, they that basically the guy just stole audio from Bruce Strong and plugged it into his own format and put up a video on YouTube like he had interviewed Palmer. Well, uh. I called Palmer, and it turns out Palmer actually did the interview. Oh. So all of the all of you that are sending me the emails about that, it turns out he did the real interview. Now I'm not going to promote the interview very much because it turns out the guy's a real fucking asshole. Uh, the take my advice Palmer? guy. No, <laughs> <laughs> I wish Palmer was a real asshole. A little more of an asshole. Like, yeah. Wouldn't that be fun if Palmer could? I don't think that he knows how to be an asshole. I want to see him bust my balls once. Oh, yeah. I would love it if he would just come in here and go. You know what? Gosh darn it, you guys are jerks. It's <laughs> about what it would sound like. No, I think the interview guy is a douche. Anyway, you can stop sending me emails. It wasn't uh, copyright infringement or anything else. Uh, he actually oh. he he did the interview without my permission, I'll have you know. See, I would never do that to Of you. course you wouldn't. Right. Palmer thinking that now that he's a now that he's a big author. Twice over. Down a million kind of dollars, always was a big author. Now that he's a big time star, Bigger. he's allowed to do whatever he wants. Oh, without checking with us first. Without checking in here. <laughs> Call hurt. your ass in here before you do an interview. I heard he was naked during that interview. Naked! You believe that? Yeah. We only require no pants here. <laughs> right. You went all the way with those guys. Huh? Yeah. Uh, John writes in, where do the show ideas go now that Shat has gone pro? Same place as before. Yeah, to Justin. Well, the I'll tell you this. So Shat is still fish. helping us with uh, show ideas. So, uh, you know, those of you who have the old address, that's fine. If it's You can send them to Shat. But you can also send ideas to Scott at thebrewingnetwork.com. What? S-C-O-T-T at thebrewingnetwork.com because he's going to help doing some booking too. So uh, you could do that. I yeah. thought you changed it to Shat the Trader at thebrewingnetwork.com. Hey, hey, I hey. Should. No? I should. No one, will, no one will be able to remember that. Yeah, they will. You'll, um, you'll make sure. This is going to be the first beer I brew. The Trader. <laughs> the, Pale <yeah>. ale. 
Okay, here, guys. Quick question about brew kettle size. I'm in the market for a new one. My old one's getting, uh, is only good for five gallon batches. In general, my batch size will be five or ten gallons. I have a choice between a 13 gallon or a 26 gallon. Mm. So my question is, is there any disadvantage in going too big? Yes. No. It depends on the shape of it. If it's if it's shaped more like a soup can as opposed to a tuna fish can, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's a big difference on that one. So if it's tall and and deep. That's not as good as uh short and fat. Short and fat, yep. He much. needs an eighteen gallon kettle for a, f- a ten gallon batch. Yeah. So the other one won't work anyway. The, his, yeah, the first right. one, is anything the else is going to be, is gonna be problematic. So I, his thirteen gallon won't work. Uh, no, I've got, say that. I've got a twenty eight gallon kettle, and I can barely do twenty gallons in that one, yeah. and be happy with it. So, so you guys all recommend the twenty six, Jipper? What's the problem with too big a kettle? Uh, well, you get uh, what really matters is um, height to width, not surface area. So you want a kettle that has a proper height to width. Okay. Because if you if you have too big of a kettle, you get more boil off. There's you you still have a, a huge burner under there. You're getting it to a boil faster. You're driving off a lot more. Okay. Uh, yeah. So uh, kind but, of what Doc's saying too. We need to know more about the width of this. Is it yeah. is it a tuna can or is it a soup can? Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's probably talking about like the the heavy duty kettles that Morbier has because everybody talks about those. Of course. So he <laughs> so he, he's going to be doing a five gallon batch. Not in the twenty. Yeah, is that what he, is that what he, is that the gist? He of it? said in general he'll be doing five, five to ten, ten gallons. Uh, um, tell you what, yeah, he you, could you go get, the the middle get, size and you, be totally fine. Okay. You get the bigger kettle, you probably will never do a five gallon batch again. So five get gallon the big batches kettle. are stupid, but yeah, you will never you will never do it again. Once Just you get, get the big kettle. Once it's easy to do ten gallons, done deal. What were the two sizes? Split he was looking batches. At? I mean, 13. thirteen and twenty six. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thirteen. Uh, he could do it for a five-gallon no, batch. Get the twenty-six. The pre-boil in a ten-gallon batch is usually about fifteen. Yeah, yeah it's, well, uh, I don't. <coughs> not. I mean, to some people, way undersized. Not to me. Okay. Well, yeah. and, another hey, thing. Uh, twenty-six. Move on. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Because shove it up your ass. <laughs> All right. Feedback was yeah. brought to you today by. Uh, Oh, the 21st Amendment, 563 2nd Street, just two blocks from Giants Park, and uh, you can now get Back in Black IPA in cans. In what? In cans. Cans. Everyone likes it in the can. I do. Whoa. I think put that joke in the can. Justice in the basement, cleaning up with no your peace on the pavement. Thinking about the gate prints, patrol in the trench coat, flame out laid off. Says it's got a stock spot, wants to get some runoff. Sully's here and needs a job up here. And Doc Fears holds and lost ribbon potion. Where to do what John says on the Bruce Strong. The crazy caller with a fucked up batch. He wants green bits of metric and not in pound. <laughs> Really well, if you're watching the video, had the lyrics on the bottom with that bouncing smiley yeah. face goes along. I agree with oh, you. Yeah. That should be a, a contest. That'd be really Who fun. can transcribe the lyrics, hmm. post them in the forum first, wins and, the and, date and, with Scott. And get an 80% correct. 95. Well, at least 200. Yeah. Okay. All right, here's the deal. We're not going to do the game tonight. We're going to do it next week. Next week. Because you got to go to. I got to go play. We got to go. I'm, I'm but we goalie. will give Drunk of the Week. Caller, who's on the air? Uh, Caller. Still there? It's Mrs. Hello. Oh, there she is. Who is it? It's Miss Blomax. Hi, Miss. Drunk of the week, Mrs. Blomax. Hi, Hi, Mrs. Blomax. Always. Hi. Hi. What's happening? How you doing? 
You're I'm doing good. Uh, awesome. You drinking again? Uh, sort of. Not really, uh, though. Not tonight. All right. Huh. So you're just recalling to play the game. I've had, I've had a little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Calling to play the game. Okay. Well, Let's play the game. <laughs> uh, we don't have time for the yeah, game. Yeah, we'll do it next week. Scott's got to go. It's going to be a good one, and i got lots of stuff for it. So. <laughs> no game Scott, you. I don't know if you've ever heard the show, but the we you typically go five hours. Yeah. I can't. Uh, I, I'm the goalie for my team, so it's not like I, I can't show. <laughs> you know what? i got to go. You being there or not, there will probably be the same. <laughs> Same yeah. thing, Thanks, Dick. Yeah. Just, just as many goals. <laughs> Leading the league in save percentage. Oh. Oh. A league of one. Yeah. Hey, yeah. If your forwards are like good, the... they don't even need you. <laughs> I mean, and if your D's we... better. By the way, we just learned what a nerd Moscow is. He has stats for his uh, oh, for yeah. his amateur hockey league. He's and like, I, I am leading the league in uh, save percentage. <laughs> and, He's and like goals that against average. By the way, uh, He's right? like that dude in beer right. league who's like keeping his own stats. Johnny Tremaine. Come on, show us your hockey card. It's only hockey card, don't you? Don't you have your own card? It's only week one. Yeah, and I'm leading the league. I'm leading the league in practice. All right, Mrs. Blomax, you win. What yep. Do I, what, do I got to give you something or something? Because you didn't No, she was calling play to play the game. The game. A game. I like the game. We can get her on the line next week. She can play this next week, right? Yeah. All right. Call, how about you call back next yeah. week? We'll, 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 you'll be our contestant for the game next week. All right, I'll call back next week. All right, that but, but sounds be, good. Thank you, Mrs. Blomax. Drake Moore. We love you. <laughs> I love you, too. <laughs> I Bye. thought she was, like, Thanks. crying for a second or not. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I can't play. I can't figure. Because she kind of sounds something when she's drunk. She sounds drunk when she's sober. She sounds yeah. kind of like half a retard. Yeah, nah. it's kind of like like the four Mississippi before she answers your question. Like Maybe she's just really drunk. You think so? Well, and I mean, drunk. She, and there's two different. Yeah. yeah, she probably lives far away, so it has to go a long distance to come. So you guys aren't. You're not, you're not thinking that she has like an extra chromosome. <laughs> no, try no. so, so me. So mean. I'm just, I'm asking. Yeah, well, and only when her and Mrs. Mr. Blomax get down, you know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> then there's, an then there's a bunch of chromosomes. All right, I'll just take this call uh, straight away. Uh, okay. Caller. Straight, straight away. Who are we talking to? What's up? This is Jeff. What's up, Jeff? How are you, man? Oh. <laughs> He's all happy. I'm drunk of the week, man. What have you had? What have I had? I've had lots of Lagunitas IPA. Nice. Lots. Nice. How, how many is lots? Lagunitas IPA. How many is lots? Lots like... Enough to where I'm not going downstairs to count the bottles. Ooh, that's a lot. Slim is that where the new bottles are? All right, what else have you had? Lots of Lagunitas IPA. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you he shops at Costco. Yeah, you, I do shop at Costco. They started carrying it. It's great. Did you just exhale your bong load, too? Was that what that was? <laughs> no, I'm not going there. Sounded like it to no, me. No, just lots of Lagunitas IPA. <laughs> Officially. Lots so wait, what, what are you drinking there? Lots of Lagunitas all the day. Oh, man. That office is starting <laughs> to spin a little bit because I'm sitting in my lazy boy. Oh, in your office. Do you have uh, the remote control handy? Remote? No. I'm is, in the office. Is the fire lit? <laughs> I'm in the fucking office. All right, Jeff, you're drunk of the week this <laughs> yeah. week. Oh, wow. Uh, no s- send me an email to justin at thebrewingnetwork.com and uh, we'll get you all set up. Oh, all right. Yeah. Do it okay. Uh, is that about it? Let's see. Are drunks of the week usually that articulate? Oh, also, no. Jeff, no. You, no, he didn't really earn it. He won't get a medal. He'll just get some candy sugar from a courtesy of Dark Candy Inc. A yeah. wonderful company helping you make Belgian beer uh, the authentic way. Well, yeah. if we call him during the week, he needs a medal. They definitely keep it real. D-O-D-T-W. Uh, well, I can do whatever I want. Where was Jeff from? I don't know. It, it, I don't the think office. Jeff knows. 
Yeah. <laughs> from the office. Lagunitas. He came from the kitchen to the office. The office. You want to take one more from Illinois and see if he's drunker? Yeah. Drunker, Ed? Let's do it. Caller, who are we talking to? Hello. Hi. Oh, hey. It's a lady. Is hey, what's going on, guys? Is this Mrs. Blomax again? <laughs> no. no. Uh, <laughs> who are we talking to? Uh, this is Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Where are you calling from? Um, Illinois. From Illinois. All right. And what are you calling for? I'm just calling for the Drunk of the Week. Turn your radio down. Will you do that for me? Your computer, whatever. <laughs> what? Huh? <sighs> Who? She's trying. Come on. Oh, How? Come on. What? There, there we go. go. Thank oh. you. Well, you got to like right click. and. You know, All right, Michelle. What have you had to drink down. tonight? Um... I we well we brewed our own cider and um, first the, cider first the earth cooled and then the dinosaur <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot of cider uh, all right so and have... we also had we also had salvation um, Belgian style L yeah that'll fuck you up. Who's giving you this information? It might be faster if we just talk to him. <laughs> yeah. Good point, Jim. Not as uh, sexy, but right. maybe a little faster. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, go on. What else? Yeah, I'm here. What's going on over there? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're supposed to say something like, "What are you wearing?" You know, guys, I can hear you. I'm standing right here. Yeah. What's your boyfriend's name? Husband slash boyfriend. My husband's name is Richard, and he's he's the brew guy. I'm the brew bitch. Oh, we know Richards. Whoa. Ah, Richard. Is it Richard or Richard? I think it's Dick. Richard. Yeah, but Dick. Yeah, it's Dick. <laughs> When he's in trouble, do you call him Dick? and I freaking clean. Oh. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> She's well, wife of the and week. Sanitize. And sanitize. She's Wait, wife of the week. Yeah, what else do you do? I'm the sanitizer of it all, and he's the brew person of it all. So, of it all. so when he That's makes a, a mess, lot. you clean it all up. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. But it's y- kind of shitty. Well, you know, instead of like brew bitch, there is kind of a word that we like to use that wraps that all up. It's he, called wife. Really? <laughs> Whoa. Huh? What did he say? That's that's uncalled he for. He just said shove it up your ass. <laughs> shove it up your ass. <laughs> all right, you want to take it away from uh, Jeff and give it to Michelle? Yeah. So do I. Yeah. I mean, she's drunker, isn't she? She's the drunkest of them all. And the part where she owns her role as the cleaning bitch. Right. I think that's helpful. Hey, not the the cleaning bitch. I'm the brew bitch. Get her right. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, Brew cleaning. Jesus. They're very different. cleaning bitch put me in my place. I have a feeling Scott's. I'm sorry. The brew She's had lots of cider and stuff. I have a I'm feeling Scott's used to being yelled at by drunk women. She's had a lot of Richard inside her. Yeah, your mom's She's had lots of oh, inside her. Oh. My mom's dead, Scott. <laughs> Way to bring it up. Great. Way to bring now it up. Now he's going to cry oh. again, Scott. Great. Welcome to the show. Perfect. Great. Great. Now, see, you can't joke about Should JP's I chase him? dead. Uh, no, no, we just let him go. No, screw it. We no. yell at you now and we let him go. Right. Scott, I can't believe you made a dead mom joke. Jeez. This is... Uh, uncalled for. Unbelievable. You guys are having too much fun over there. All right, Michelle, you're our drunk of the week. Uh, yeah. Send me an email to Justin at thebrewingnetwork.com. Yeah, you're still you Send me an email <laughs> to Justin at thebrewingnetwork.com. Oh, you're drunk I, of the week. I don't know. Are you? We'll give you some dark candy sugar. All right. Now we have a real drunk of the week, and I don't have to feel bad about it, and et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Next week, we have Nicole Ernie along with Ray Daniels on the program, and we're going to be talking about tasting beer. Who is Nicole? Is that a Cicero? Or? She, is she a Cicero? 
Cicerone? Master. Yes, yes, she is. Yes, yes, yes. Where's Randy the Cicerone? He is a Cicerone. <laughs> Why and he's around? We have to change Randy the Mexican's name to Randy, Randy the Cicerone. No, Cicerone Mexican. Randy the Cicerone. <laughs> the Randy the only just, Mexican the Cicerone. Mexican We've just been calling him Ever? Randy the new sissy. <laughs> That's good, too. That's good. Mexerone. So next week, we've got uh, Nicole Ernie and Ray Daniels on to uh, talk about tasting beer. Because, you know, there's more to it than just drinking, JP. I don't know if you knew that. I don't know anything about it. There's a whole whole thing to it. Um, What else do you need to know? New show. The new Paxton show, Thursday, August 26th at 6 p.m. It's the Home Brewed Chef, and we'll be talking about cooking with beer. Don't forget to support our sponsors, especially the sponsor of this program, Beer, Beer, and More Beer. You can go to morebeer.com. They are the official session sponsor and our favorite place to shop locally and online. Uh, Plus, Chris Graham is not a douche. And don't forget about the forum comp. Get in. Oh, yes. Giving away a More Conical. beer Forum Comp, you can win a 14-gallon Conical. Get in on that. When? When? Crazy not what? to. When? when? August 14th is the cutoff, so get in. Oh, Coming my up. God. Yes, Tasty? I drank 41 ounces of beer tonight. <laughs> 41? How many beers is that? It's like two and a half. <laughs> Did anybody guess <laughs> two and a half 11. beers? No, everyone half went way over right. that number. So no winner. No, yeah. everyone oh. was like Nobody six. Got the under. See, this is Wait. why the guess what Tasty's drinking game is going to be tricky. The lowest guess was four. never know. lowest guess was four. guess how much you Uh, All right. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Did I forget anything? No, you're good. All right. Out of here. Later.